The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on tw- Twitter. You can find me at Newsnight's Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yeah. Uh, this here podcast, you can find us at the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us uh, recording live every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com slash The Click Nation and Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, thank you for joining us, whether you are live or, or later after the fact, or whether you um ask any questions or not. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Leave us five-star reviews and make sure to click and subscribe however you find us. Either you're listening to us or watching us on a stream. Exactly. Um, hey, see if we got somebody in chat already. Um, so, we are actually, what, a week away from She-Hulk? Wow. Um, and I guess on that, and I knew I forgot to put something in the lineup, but apparently they moved that a day. So it's coming out on Thursdays. Correct. I did uh, see that. And that's going to make things a little more difficult on us. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'll have to squeeze in time to watch it that morning or that evening or on the way home because yeah. it's just a, that's just cutting it a little too close for comfort for us just a little bit like granted yeah it'll it'll it would definitely be out well before we record but you know it's still yeah it's all about making the time to watch it and yeah, that's exactly. difficult and absorb it uh, right so but you know what we will we'll we'll see what happens uh come that time nevertheless we are going to start off with uh books um, in fact, we're going to start off with uh, Iron Man number 22. Yes, yeah, so this latest volume of Iron Man number 22 is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Angel Unzueta. Colors are by Frank Darmada. 
and letters by our very favorite lettering Paisan, VCs, Joe Caramagna. So in this issue, something that Roddy Cat reminded me of, and you know, it was it's it's always been at the forefront of my mind when I read this book, because we know some of the parallels that Cantwell is 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 drawing to a previous storyline, but it didn't, you know, when when Roddy Cat mentioned it to me. Uh, in passing, just as we were choosing what to start the show with, it didn't, you know, it just didn't click. For whatever reason, when he mentioned it, I, you know, it didn't click to me. But then I remember when I was reading this, the parallels are so stark. No pun intended. Ha ha. Ha ha. But the parallels are definitely there to a previous storyline that is very, very aged. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> You know, Boy, I'm too old for this shit. so um, I'll let Roddy Cat take uh, uh, take it from here. But I will say that everything down to uh, some of the guest cameo characters that we get in this issue, uh, you know, someone named Clay and um, a big green giant, as it were. And not a jolly all, one. Yeah, exactly. And not the Hulk. Is all straight out of this previous storyline. Take it away, Radicat. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, in fact, so after the events of last issue, we find um, Tony and uh, Rhodey basically uh, getting getting uh, getting geared up for whatever this operation entails, which, as uh, Agent Seven alluded to kind of has shades of um a previous iron man event uh well uh or story arc rather than that event uh armor wars which i'm pretty sure it's been revisited a couple of times already um in various uh media i can know there was definitely another one uh, in in comic book form and is about to be uh, revisited in uh, the mcu uh, right. via via a show coming up well, probably next year I think because they did they didn't, never did say what date that was going to be actually right and ultimately we may find out that date at D23 or very soon after Quite so possibly. but uh, continue please so yeah so we uh, we have uh, like I said we have uh, Rhodey and, uh, and and Tony kind of uh, discussing things putting things together uh getting set up for for the inevitable um confrontation with uh the aforementioned uh big green uh other or another big big green armored figure in the marvel universe uh that that that's plagued iron man at various times that uh that being the titanium man right um and also they are um they are joined by which this was a poll definitely which had me thinking i was like wow they really are doing our wars again uh the aforementioned person named clay because mama called him right. clay and we're gonna call him clay uh because that's his name but um who goes by the name of force who i guess was a villain at one point but not really or something i can't remember what what his deal was but i know he showed up in armor wars Right, right. I mean, just prior to the original armor wars, my understanding is that that force armor, uh, he came in as a, a, initially as an opponent to opponent to Iron Man, but uh, like so many uh, misguided, initially misguided villains, he sees the light. Yeah, like Hawkeye. 
Right. <laughs> Which, if folks don't know, he was originally a, a, a Iron Man villain, weirdly enough. Anyway, that's beside the point. As was Black Widow. As was Black Widow. Yeah, as a matter of fact, she was the one who sent Hawkeye up against uh, 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 Tony, which was funny. So, so yeah, but um, but yeah, so there there is that, and um, I had a nice little chuckle with myself because I was wondering, it's like, okay, so we see Clay here. I wonder if we we're going to see Force works. Oh, I doubt it. I hope not. <laughs> Because that, you know, because obviously this the, the, this parallel storyline predates the existence of Force Works, but right. um, I, 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 you know, we even got uh, a guest appearance by another character that made a fairly famous appearance in the original armor. Yeah, absolutely, I was like, that being Captain that. America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I, I wish I had thought about it uh, at the time, but then I heard I would have had to close the book. I was like, "Wait, all we needed now was a confrontation with Cap." And well, here we go. It wasn't a confrontation, but he show, does show up here, which they feel like it feels does feel like they're kind of setting up a potential because of a, a, a kind of a line that says it was like, "Well, Cap and Patsy's probably going to be upset about what's going on here because there's mm-hmm. a little bit of subterfuge uh, coming out the uh, the end of this book." Um, right, they're being kept out of the loop on purpose. Yep. So I suspect that's going to be revisited because, you know, that's kind of how the the beats of uh, Armor Wars were. I actually did not expect to see Cap, but I should have, honestly. Right. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Sure, why not? It makes sense. And it makes sense it was like it, to, to, for him to be a little like, Rody, you got something to say? You, know I mean? <laughs> you got something to ask him about? <laughs> He's like, uh, nope. Cap knows what's up. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need he doesn't need Matt Murdock's super senses to figure out when somebody's not telling the entire truth. Right. And and you know, Cap has been shown to be a little naive at some point, but he's not stupid. <laughs> so at some point I'm sure this that that's going to come back up and I'm I'm kinda slightly looking forward to, to that to what end. But yeah, um, so they're gearing up for this operation, which, like I said, calls for a little bit of a subterfuge. Whether a titanium man was in on it or not, don't know. I, sus- I halfway suspect yes, but who's to say? But it, this issue starts off the chain of events that are, is going into this operation that is reminiscent of uh, Armor Wars because of some group that is um, uh, buying and selling really dangerous high-tech weapons. This time, not Stark's weapons, but just in general. But is it? But it definitely technology based. So um, that's where you know the the, the impetus is. And we get the reemergence of the stealth suit, which we hadn't seen in a good minute, or at least of this uh, version of the stealth suit. Right. It's not the first time that this particular concept has been, you know, just just you know, super powered weapons being proliferated right. through arms dealers. Um, you know, the, the, in the pages of Wolverine, we've seen something similar, um, you know, really? when, 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 uh, when, you know, in, in recent stories where, uh, uh, somebody was trying to sell, uh, a severed Wolverine hand with a cl- with claws, you know, in an auction together with other, you know, with like Mandroid armor. So, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, this isn't, um. This isn't new. This isn't a new path that um, Cantwell is going down. But obviously, we know that this is very similar to and drunk parallels to the OG Armor Wars. Ultimately, I think uh, this is going to be fun 
to see where the twists and turns are. Uh, obviously, this is really the opening salvo right. in the in, in the story. So we'll see how this goes and see what changes Cantwell has has in store for us as the readers who are familiar with some of Tony's backstory. Mm-hmm. As we have seen, uh, Cantwell kind of um, uh, revisit during during his run. So, uh, I thought one humorous thing also in the beginning of the issue was uh, was uh, Tony on the plane talking to the old lady. I don't know who remember that part, but that kind of that kind of kicked us off. What was that? Wait, was that this issue? Or was that last issue? No, that was the previous. No, that was last issue. Oh, sorry. I mm-hmm. want to bring this up anyway because I forgot to mention that. Um, but yeah, last issue. It was at the beginning of the last issue. That's right. Because I and I'm saying that because I read last issue before I read this issue. So that's why why it's running together. It makes and, all the sense. Yeah. So so what what started this whole thing was uh, Tony's on his uh, plane trip and he was talking to this old lady who happens to bring up some um some former college students. One uh one uh another that ends up being another armored figure uh who uh and um rival in Nemesis. Stretch, and a stretchy figure. Yes, and a stretchy figure. An armored figure and a stretchy figure. If you haven't figured out who we're referring to by now, this show may not be for you. (laughs) Right, and she was like, uh, like, yeah, he was like, you know, he was uh, burnt pretty bad, but I wonder if he's probably picked himself up by now. And 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 Tony's like, I know who you're talking about. (laughs) You you can even see this. Like, I know who you're talking about. Like, yeah, sure, he probably has. (laughs) So that was kind of funny, but it ends up being... um, uh, something to do with some, uh, I don't know if you want to call him a hijacker, but basically he, he, there was a theft upon the, uh, plane that ended up, uh, causing Tony to kind of go after this dude who mm-hmm. gave him a run for his money to his credit that got this whole, um, ball rolling and going into this issue. So I would say that if you are going to start in this arc, um, the last issue would probably be the one to start off. Although you can kind of go come in here, Coach. Right, I mean, kinda... you could pick it up here because at the end of the day, I think, the, like like I said, I think the ball really does start rolling with this issue because right. we get what, uh, you know, what, what Roddy Cat was referring to as not just Stark tech, but just weapons, you know, you know super-powered paraphernalia and weapons in general. And we understand that one of... Uh, Iron Man's oldest and longest villains, his weapons are basically tied to the center of the storyline. And it's in the the preview panel, the preview page for the next issue. Uh, It's interesting because it kind of ties into, you know, I kind of forgot what happened to this character. Mm -hmm. I need to Google that because they talk about this character's fate. And I'm like, when did that happen? That was a couple of years ago. Right. And in a slight parallel MCU vacation of, uh, of of this character, uh, the paraphernalia that this character normally would wear is is on has come up for auction. However, there is another version of that are floating around, and I believe I don't know if that's what they were alluding to, or they were I, I think they were alluding to. These, this particular version and not what is floating around in another um, that uh, right. uh, uh, a Marvel hero has 
Uh, oh no, they're definitely them. talking. They're they're definitely talking about the old school, right? You know, so you know, because like I said, it's in the it's in the page, the preview page for the next issue. It's right. literally, you know, the stealth armor with these, you know, right ornaments on. Right. You know, and, well, but yeah, uh, but there was also, I believe, that the the box with them in them showed up right. with you. Exactly, you exactly. Know, so ultimately, you know, it's 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 interesting. And as I, you know, my own my, my the only point is my I guess my final point is I just didn't understand or remember what that character's fate was. Right. Same here. Because when they when they mentioned them, it's like yeah, so and so such and such a thing happened. I mean, you know, you know, actually, I won't say what it is, but I'm like, yeah, so and so and so, like when how. What? And I almost looked myself and I never and I didn't because normally I would have. But so I think you and I both will probably be looking up that uh, after the show. But that being said, but that being said, that was Iron Man 22 to to, to kick us off here. It was a it was a pretty good read, I I would say. Uh, Let's see, what do we want to go to next? Do we this is probably the, the big book of the week. But or we could start with the or we can kind of go around it. Which book? Uh, Edge of Spider Verse. I don't know if that's the big book, but I think it's the kickoff for this new uh, Spider Verse event. And if there's one thing that I would say to anyone who's looking to be a comic book speculator, is that if there's going to be uh, something important happening coming out of the Spider-Verse books, you may want to take a look at these Edge of Spider-Verse books first because you get some. You sometimes get the intros to some interesting characters and characters who prove to be influential and important later on. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the main character that came out of these Edge of Spider-Verse books is Spider-Gwen. Yep. So... If you are looking into maybe getting the first appearance of a character or two, and hoping and and, and hoping to uh, quote unquote strike gold uh, with uh, with a with a with the first appearance comic, you may want to take a look at this. But let me get to the credits on this book. So there, it's an anthology of four stories. Um, the writers, I'm just going to put the writers out there first because this is how Roddy Cat, because I was lazy. I didn't even type in my, my, my uh, creators. I just said it's an anthology of four stories. The writers in sequence are Dan Slott, Alex Segura, uh, Segura um, Carla Pacheco, and DJ Bryant. Uh, art is by Martin Cocolo, uh, or Martin Cocolo, Cayo Mahado, Pere Perez, and Dustin Weaver. Colors are by Brian Reber, and letters are by our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. So I'll tell you that what's interesting about this is it's a mixture of old and new spider characters, right? right. So the new characters that we get here are um, a Scott who is apparently uh, uh, in the colonial you know in in the in the colonies mm-hmm. in the US colonies uh prior to independence and and prior to the the war for independence so um you know that's one character we also get um a revamp or a re 
rejiggering, I guess, of the Aranya character, you know, fresh off of her appearance in Black Widow. She's now uh, got a new super suit. Well, technically, going back to the old suit. Oh, is it the old suit? It is the old suit, yeah, before she got the black costume. Oh, I'm just not that familiar with the character. Yeah. Which I was like, why did she even have to go back to that? Well, I mean, it's a new version of the old suit, I should should say. But definitely, it's the the old suit. I'm just like, why did she go back to that one? What was... You know, but anyway, keep going. So, right. Yeah. The third, the third story is a, a pretty uh, silly trip uh, with uh, a spider that is a Tyrannosaurus Rex in a world where you know it's still very much prehistoric times. And the last story is based on you know it, it centers upon spider noir. So. You know, it's a mix of old and new in this issue. I just had a few comments, and I'll hand it to Rodicat. Uh, he may have some more in-depth things to say. I wanted to mention that, uh, you know, uh, Madam Web, the, the current version of Madam Web, is running around gathering the troops, much like she has in previous Spider-Verse uh, stories. We also have this Spider-Rex character. I think there's toys based on this character now. Yes, there are. In fact, we yeah we got some news on that. Uh, right. So I thought it was funny that I was like, wait, I just saw a toy on this. Did they literally drop the toy right before they dropped the character in the comics? Holy cow! Pretty much. And uh, and finally, uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that um, uh, that Spider Noir story. Actually, you know, two things I wanted to mention. That Spider-Noir story basically is what reminded me about um, something I heard on a podcast. I heard it on one – I think it was This Week in Marvel – that it was Aranya who introduced the whole idea of the spider totem into the Spider-Man – into the comic book universe. Right. And that transferred over into the JMS, the J. Michael Straczynski uh, Spider-Man stuff in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I did not know that because I wasn't following Aranya. Right. And a matter of fact, I, so I vaguely remember around that time, but I, just like you, I didn't really have that kind of working knowledge of it. But I did do some research after when I was reading this book. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I do remember this old costume, but I don't remember the context. You know, of, right. of whatever, and then you know, it brought up the spider totem stuff. Right. So I was very, very humbled mm-hmm. to learn that because I always blamed Straczynski for introducing that into, and I, I, I've, I've said it on the show. <laughs> I'm just, I just wasn't a fan. But now that I understand that it was actually something that was introduced by, I presume, another writer into the Spider-Man mythos, you know, through Aranya. Mm-hmm. That now I, you know, I, I sort of understood how that concept was integrated into the rest of the quote unquote spider verse. So, you know, obviously, you know, Straczynski took it, ran with it, and then Slot took it and ran the whole way. Oh, you boy, know, he took he. it the rest of the way to the house. Mm-hmm. So I have to say that, uh, you know, because that concept is, car- you know, the, uh, the, the, the totem and the, the totemistic uh, story is carried forth. You know, throughout this book, and especially into the Spider Noir story that ends up as the closer to this anthology book, I wanted to just mention that it's interesting. You know, I was humbled, like I said, I was humbled to learn that it was because of the concepts 
surrounding Aranya's origin that we got this whole spider totem thing. So it's interesting, you know, it's 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 always interesting to pick up on things that, you know, that happen and you just miss them and you just didn't, you know, you've misapprehended or misunderstood what was happening. And it's always interesting to see things clearer now that the rain is gone. Shout out to Jimmy Cliff. Take it over. <laughs> okay, nice. Start with the musical uh, uh, references. It starts musical. early. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see. The whole, like, oh, I've already said my piece about the whole Aranya thing, but, you know, it is, uh, that is what that is. And as I just only said, yes, uh, we have the, the the current version of Mer- Madam Webb's uh, doing the the running round um i know once again reading this uh has me wanting to kind of go back to actually read spider-verse which i realize is a lot and spider-geddon because i think um around uh, had a uh, had a part in that but i don't think any of you know, and Spider Island, now that I think about it, of uh, that, that whole thing, because I think some of that might be coming into play. Because there was a thing that started in her, um, that started in her story, uh, bringing up something which I assumed had something to do with the, the like going back to the original Spider Totem stuff with some wasps, uh, which uh, sound like they're going to be playing a part of this uh, Spider Verse thing. And I'm sitting here right. like, wait, what does Janet Van Dyne have to do with <laughs> with with this? has nothing to do with that, her um that we know of but right. um but we definitely do have uh some um, mysterious figures in the background that are skulking around uh seemingly hunting new followers and or possibly spiders uh looks like they have claimed one already uh and uh going to that that spider rex story i'm sitting here like that was kind of silly doesn't i don't I, I suspect that that character is going to. I don't know if that character is going to have a whole lot of legs. No pun intended, because you know it's a character. What could I say? Arms, you know. But um, it's it's an amusing uh, story. Uh, the the way it was set up. I'm like, all right, the bravo to them for that. Uh, the the spider noir story. Um, I tried to read it in Nicolas Cage's voice, admittedly. But it doesn't necessarily read like that, at least not uh, because, you know, because of um, um, Spider-Verse, in, Into right. the Spider-Verse. And it doesn't really read like that, but it is as wordy as you would think. And it's not the first time uh, Spider-Noir has shown up in the last couple of years, now that I think about it. Uh, or maybe it's just me reading something with a minute. Uh, but nevertheless, like I said, we just got, um, we just got a kickoff uh, story or a set of kickoff stories. And I assume the rest of the Edge of Spider uh, Spider-Verse books are going to do the same thing. Like uh they I think this is like the in the what's coming next uh after the the books uh, after this book ended. I mean after this uh, the the issue ended. Uh we got a whiff of a couple of more stories and a couple more characters that they're going to um that they're going to center stuff around including a new uh another new character. Which, you know, Spider-Verse introduced some new Spider-Characters. This one's going to do the same thing. Uh, so, will we get to number five and get the breakout character of this one? Or is it, or has it started off with the Spider-X and, and uh, they're putting their hands there? This is where they're, 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 they're putting their, their chips into. It's, uh, 
you know, isn't there an anniversary for Jurassic Park this year? You know, that's why uh, they put out Jurassic, that, that last Jurassic World movie? Probably. So. Yeah, so. Nevertheless, like I said, if you're interested in Spider-Verse uh, related stuff, here you go. This is the first one on that, so you can get in on the ground floor. Unless you don't know anything uh, other outside of that movie, then, you know, it's might have to seek out some uh the the old books for that like i might i was also thinking of putting spider-verse because i don't think we have it in our um in our dock for for um for for event books to go over if we should uh ever revisit that stuff but that's also it's kind of long so it's kind of a hard proposition actually it's not that yeah, long I- from the reading order but i mean it's just the, you know picking out yeah, the stuff well, I mean, that's we would cut out right we would cut out most of the tie-ins Right. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, there's a pretty straightforward reading order for Ed, for Into the Spider-Verse. Seemingly, yeah. So, but... Like, it's um, pretty much the Edge of Spider-Verse book and then the main book, which is only a couple of couple of issues, and then there's a couple of ties in that might have some... some well, I mean, I think it, it goes mostly through... I think there's, like, an Alpha and Omega issue, and then I think it mostly goes through Amazing, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But I could be wrong. It's been a while since I looked at it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. We'd have to look it up through our very handy dandy Marvel Unlimited, who is not a sponsor. Right. Well, All I went right. to Wiki and looked up the the reading order and that. It's like it was probably like what, like eight to ten books, or out minus the uh, edge of edge of Spider Verse books. So. Gotcha. Anyway, um, what's next? You want to do one more before we what's go to rapid? Uh, we could do the X books and then we'll go to rapid fire. Sure. So, I guess if we're going to do this in order, we should go Immortal first, then. Sure. All right. Immortal X-Men number five is written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Michelle Bandini, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, this issue focuses upon a character that has not had much focus on him in a long, long time. I would say for the better part of 30 years. Hmm. You don't think? <laughs> no, you're you're probably about right, actually. Yeah, I don't think this character has had much focus since the earliest, earliest days of um, the adjectiveless X-Men book, mm. which was relaunched, which was launched by uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee back in 1991. So, the character we are referring to is Exodus. Not the and Bob Marley album. What's that? And not the Bob Marley album. Right, or the second book in the Bible. Exactly. So, but there's definitely some uh, religious <laughs> overtones here in this issue. I am just looking to pull up my copy, and uh, actually, you wanna you wanna lead on this, and then I'll pick up. Uh, sure. Uh, broad strokes. Uh, this is an AXE tie-in. Actually, the first of two from this week because technically Legion, which I don't think you read. Uh, I did. Stuff. I did. I just didn't list it because there wasn't much in Legion that tied in. Well, funny enough, kind of is when we get to uh Red, but they also footnoted at the beginning of X Men Red. So, so right. it's so, but it's right, something exactly. that comes. Later. I was going to say, don't really. There's not much of a crossover. That's my right, point. right, right, right. So, um, but yeah. So this is uh, like uh, I just said. This is an Exodus focused uh, issue. Uh, I guess this is uh, around the events or set during the events of um, Judgment Day book from what last week. 
right number one yeah um so basically uh the the game is afoot the the uh the eternals launched their first uh first strike attack which was the unimind but the x-men are sitting around at the quiet council kind of talking about it not realizing they're they're already under attack um and this is them one finding that out and two dealing with that right so the with the with the opening salvo of the uh eternals uh and like i said it's um it's a uh, uh, Exodus focused, which again slightly makes me want to go read. Uh, what was it? Messiah Complex was that his his big thing, or was it before that? Well, he does make uh, uh, he does make a, a return during Messiah Complex because as you as you can see in this issue, and this is a mild spoiler, he does have a thing about hope summers. Right. right. So he does make he does make a, a reappearance in the X titles around that time. Ultimately, though. Uh, you know, his big thing was when Magneto, uh, you know, when, when he was an acolyte to Magneto. Okay, That's right, what right. I was referring to when uh, we f- were first introduced to um, Exodus, right. you know, in that first initial run of X-Men, of the adjectiveless X-Men, that is. Right. And some of that gets brought up here. So if you, you know. Um, yeah, it's a, there's a recap. There's a nice recap as yeah. uh, uh, element to the story yeah. because of what we were just saying that this character really has not had much time in the spotlight at all, and because of the nature of Krakoa, we're getting to see how some of these characters who were, you know, maybe outright villains at one point, and then they they, they became uh, somewhere neutral, and now because they're uh, they're they're being incorporated into the fabric of Krakoa. We're starting to see them, you know, working together with the the traditional X Men hero types. So, ultimately, you know, that's what was great about this issue. I really did appreciate the the, the flashbacks intermingled with what was going on at the present time because it was informative and it mm-hmm. definitely helped to reestablish where this character sits in the X Men story and where he is now. You know, it, it makes you think that. Uh, it's a good thing that uh, the Quiet Council had so many telepaths on it at the same time. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I guess it's worth noting that we do get some background information that I don't think was previously known also in relation to this character and uh, a couple of others uh, on the opposing well, one on the uh, uh, one of the opposing uh, factions, which again I'm sitting reading all this and it's like, so what does the Avengers have to do with this? Like, I know they're like cops, but it's like this is pretty much a an Eternal X Men thing. Like, what is what is yeah, exactly? I, was about to say, I don't even know if they're cops as so much as referees at this point, and not doing anything. Else. They're not even doing that, right? <laughs> because they're point. not because they're not on site. You know, right. they haven't made it, they haven't made it there to intervene, you know? So, you know, they're almost like, they're almost, they're almost acting like, uh, they were like, like they, like their original mission in the nineties being like UN peacekeeper types. Remember right. that? Right, 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 right. Yeah. But again, so, and even in that they're, they're not doing a very good job because they clearly right. are not up, up on what's going on here. Definitely. Definitely. I wanted to mention that, um, every time, they mentioned that the Unimind was uh, attacking them. All I could hear in my head was Unibeam, Unibeam. from yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. Because as a as 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 an avid player of um, Marvel versus Capcom in all of its incarnations, <laughs> I definitely you know as a Street Fighter veteran, I definitely had my fireball motion down so I could <laughs> whip out that unit beam like nobody's business. So oh, you are uh, I definitely heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still hear it a lot because every once in a while, you know, I haven't. I, I'm a Neanderthal, folks. I, I I've never gotten a PS4 or PS5. I still every once in a while turn on my PS3 just so I can play Marvel vs. Capcom, um, like the the not the most recent recent edition, no, but the ones before that. Yeah, that also wasn't great. Right, but the one before that was pretty good. So right. I was very happy. I'm very happy to just turn it on and play it because it's fun. Right. Agreed. Hey, sometimes you're gonna, you're gonna, kind of got to, because it's fun. Uh, that turtle game also, uh, on a very sad note, is pretty good if you want some nostalgia. Uh, anywho, um, I think that's pretty much it for Immortal X Men. I think, like I said, this was the op- opening salvo from the Eternals, and it, um, at the end of this, it seemed well, it's, like what I was going say, well. It's not the, it's, it's the opening salvo of a two pronged attack, right. which will lead us into the next book that we talk about right which is what i basically was saying like it seemed like it was um like it might have been dealt with but then we go into the next book which is x-men red number five Mm-hmm. x-men red number five is written by al ewing with art by stefano caselli colors by federico blee and letters by vc's ariana mayer so in this book we see what happens in some of the panels that we were treated to in the pages of uh, AXE Judgment Number 1, mm-hmm. where Uranus has essentially laid waste to Arako. And we see what happens just prior to his arrival on Arako and what is happening when he is absolutely kicking everybody's butt left, right, and upside down. I think Thanos and Frieza all in one, and you pretty much cut this dude. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad. Like you, laying waste to people like Legion right. and Cable, right? And and almost Magneto. I'm and, going to say he pretty much got that one too, but I think he, there was some inter, uh, some outside intervention on that one. You think? I thought that Possibly. was uh, that was. Um, I thought that was a pretty great panel at the end. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's my click of the week. As <laughs> uh, soon as I read that, I was like, oh, "That's pretty cool." I was ant- when I wa- when I was reading that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's it, that's it." Right? Yeah, this was a pretty uh, action action based uh, book. Like, yeah, there was some there there was some um, uh, some some exposition going on during the time, but it was pretty much a wash with uh, with battlefield activity, usually one sided. <laughs> um, like it was some attempts made and undone very quickly yep. uh, in the course of this leading us into the the last panel of this uh, book which yeah I don't like I said I, I don't I'm not entirely sure because it, it seemed like near the end of the book there might have been that might have been due to some intervention but I also don't know or because it very well could have been just we'll find out obviously that it could have right. been you know right. I suspect him not his own power. right I'm not going to say that either of us is right so right um, you know, we're, we're, we're simply guessing here at this point, ladies and gentlemen, right. I wanted to mention that, um, uh, you know, our, our, our comparisons that we made earlier to Thanos or Frieza, like li- literally just like laying waste 
to scores of superpower beings, you know, beings that we presume are powerful, like Legion. Like, I was like, wow. I was like, seriously? Right. And the you know? scores of uh, Arakans who were, you know, who have pretty much been at war for like thousands of years or whatever the case may be, who, you know, some of which are not, not, not presumably presented as being no slouches themselves, pretty much get decimated. Right. They're all dead. You know, like talk about taking them all off the board. Right. Although I do have to say there's a couple of cool panels here involving some of the characters who are uh, adjacent to Araco. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being uh, Richard Ryder Nova. Right. I appreciated that. I know that I've, I, I, I know. I've, I've done a little bit of uh, <laughs> uh, service to the Richard Ryder character when it comes to Roddy Cat's <laughs> appreciation for him. And when I was reading that, I was like, oh, that's nice. Good for Al Ewing giving uh, Rich Ryder a nice little shout out there. Right. It, I was like, why is he here? Like, I, <laughs> like, this is not his affair. He has no stake in this game. I, I recognize he was there because of some stuff in, in, in the past, but I was like, why is he in there the, now? In the previous issue. He was above, you know, because like, remember, Arako is the, is the seat of the government right. or the seat of the... the, the the voice of soul, right? right? Storm seat, right? So that's where that's why there's all these um, visitors from other planets and whatnot there, and that's what he, he and, and he was there for that meeting. Right. So it all this all happened with uh, you know with him still on site. But so I, I kind of appreciate that. I was like, oh look, Nova's still here. That's cool. But also, I was like, I kind of feared for him, even though I was like, well, this is a, he's not a he's not a mutant. He's not a focal point. They're not good. He's not. You wouldn't just kill him, kill off Nova in a in a book that he had no stake in, would he? <laughs> I would be curious to see him go up against Uranus, you know, because of the the Thanos comparison. Mm. Yeah, he has gone. He has, he has spent a few minutes toe to toe with uh with old Thanos, so I, I would imagine maybe we're doing a little foreshadowing here, folks. I doubt it. I, I, I was like I said, I feel like they're not going to put a. There's like now this dude's on outs on the very outside of this whole thing. He's not an Avenger. He's not an he's not an internal or an X Men. So he's not like you know he just happened to be there. Like yeah, he's there for a reason. Clearly, you know because otherwise he wouldn't be there. But I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to give him that. Well, we'll see. No. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe he will come in for the Avengers side. I guess not. I think about it. Yeah, I guess he kind of wasn't. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. an Avengers adjacent character at one point. So, who's to say? Uh, that being the case, I guess we can. I think go we can go into rap- rapid fire now. I think so. Yeah. All right. Let me spin it up, folks. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. I think we've probably got like an equal number of books. Yeah, each. but we but we definitely I think we only have like what one one uh tying us together here though. And I'm actually surprised uh, you read Moon one Knight? book. Yeah. Alright, so let me let me lead with Moon Knight and we can just uh quickly discuss that. Okay. Moon Knight number fourteen is written by Jed McKay, with art by Alessandro Capuccio. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, uh, in a in a in in a story that kind of echoes what we saw in the Moon Knight MCU uh, Disney Plus series, we actually have the three uh, distinct personalities or the distinct identities 
that inhabit Mark Spector's head having it out with each other in this issue, all while these two assassins who I don't know if we'd ever been introduced to these characters before are out to take on one of them looks, you know, disturbingly a lot like Sabretooth. Yeah, I thought uh, about that. Uh, while these two assassins are basically beating the snot out of Moon Knight, the inner turmoil between these three uh, identities of uh, Mark Spector are figuring out what's going on and what to do with themselves. Luckily for Moon Knight, he is rescued, in a sense, by uh, Tigra and um, Hunter's Moon. the other Fist of Conchu. What's his name? Hunter's Moon. Hunter's Moon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, that's where we find ourselves at the end of the issue. Do you have anything to add? Uh, one particular little click of the week. Two, um, shout out to Mark's uh, multitasking uh, abilities, like in the middle of a fight and then having also having an, having an intervention on him <laughs> with his other aspects while in mm-hmm. the middle of a big fight, even though he was kind of sort of losing the fight. But you know, shout right. out to, to trying to, to multitask because... That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. All right. Next up for me is, I guess I'll finish out my Marvel stable of books and move on to the rest. Last for me is Ghost Rider number five. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Corey Smith, inks by Oren Jr., colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So... It's a ghostwriter book. Eventually, there's going to be a race involved, and this race is you know, kind of silly, but it's very brutal. Some of the guest stars that you see here in, in very short cameo appearances are just super silly, but it's meant to be all in good fun. Ultimately, we have a little bit of movement on the story because we finally see who is behind some of what has been ailing and... Um, uh, uh, the word I guess would be persecuting Johnny Blaze during the five issues so far in this series. You know, we've seen uh, this this uh, demonic wound that he's been nursing on the back of his head that always makes me, you know, that gives me the creeps because the the art is so well done that I'm just like, you know, it makes me kind of self consciously rub my head. Ultimately, <coughs> we see. Uh, we find out who is behind it all. It's not someone unexpected at all. But we'll be glad to see what happens in the next issue. Okay. Next up is Batman number 126. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Tomo Mori, and letters by V... But no, I wanted to say VC, but here he is an independent contractor, a freelancer, letters by Clayton Cowles. So in this issue, uh, you know, and what we've been seeing in Zadarsky's run so far, it's only been one issue. So this is the second issue of uh, Zadarsky's run on Batman. There are some hints that uh, Batman, you know, the, the events of the last several arcs have, have been catching up to Batman. He may be slowing down a bit, reflecting a little bit of his age and reflecting a little bit of his need for the Bat family to intervene on his behalf. We are, we're also getting some hints that this robotic menace that he is up against is not all that we think it is. We definitely think that it's related to Batman in some way. And um, 
we get a weird costume change at the end of this issue, which is, you know, a little bit on the disturbing side, but I am not familiar enough with the Batman mythos to recognize where this might be a pull from. It might be a pull. I, I, I'm just not uh, that familiar with it. So if you are familiar with it and you're recognizing where Zodarsky might be going with this, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Insta and let me know. Next up is <sighs> Dark Crisis. I cannot believe you read this. <laughs> Dark Crisis number three. I was just curious. Dark Crisis number three is written by Joshua Williamson with pencils by Daniel Sampierre, with inks by Daniel Sampierre, Daniel Enriquez, and Danny Mickey, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters by another, apparently a lettering Python, Tom Napolitano. Listen to me profile people based on their last names. So, spoiler alert. If you have not been keeping up with Dark Crisis, the Justice League are dead. Dead, dead, deader than dead. Or are they? Exactly. Quote, unquote. Black Adam, being Black Adam, is basically trying to muster a new Justice League. And he is not having any sort of fun dealing with the youngins who have been left in the wake of the Justice League um, being essentially killed off. The Titans have also suffered their own losses because the villains, once they... um, uh, in, in the wake of the, the, the killing of the Justice League at the behest of crying pariah. Because, you know, it's, it's always crying pariah when there's a More crisis like involved. More like pariah. What's that? More like cariah. Cariah crying pariah. <laughs> Not exactly on fire. Shout out to ODB. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we always bring the music references here, folks. Uh, rest in peace, ODB. Um... Uh, what, what, what I was saying was that um, the uh, 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 Black Adam is you know, just doing his Black Adam thing being, you know, we need to kill. We need to, you know, take final. You know, we, we can't put people in jail. We need to, you know, do the whole antihero thing, you know, rah, rah, you know, kill everybody. And all the young legacy heroes just not having it. And. Who shows up but some old folks? And they're not technically old, but they're just, you know, yet another DC supergroup that has a very long lineage and a long history. And it is time that they step to the forefront. So that is where this book essentially leaves the heroes. Meanwhile, we find out that the villains are you know, assembling their own, you know, assembling for their own next strike. And the Green Lanterns are off doing their own thing, trying to take the fight to Pariah out in space. So we will see where this goes. Um, uh, Black Adam does, in fact, reach out to people who might be more willing to play along his own rules, along his own guidelines, and you know what that might mean. And that is it for Dark Crisis number three. Let's see here. What else do I have? Oh, we, we go back to the streets of Philadelphia. Oh, there's another music reference there, folks. Philadelphia number 24 
is written is it's a it's an image book. It's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jason Sean Alexander with an art assist by Herman Aramuspe, colors by Luis Nicht and letters by Marshall Dillon. So believe it or not, this is not the ultimate or penultimate issue, but what it is is in fact the ultimate issue of this latest arc of Philadelphia. So I don't know if Rodney Barnes has a plan for this book going beyond the next arc that will make up a trade paperback, let's say six issues, because this is issue 24. Let's say we make it all the way up to issue 30. So it'll be a six issue arc and you get a nice tidy 30 issues um, making up five trade paperbacks, you know, five trade paperbacks of six issues each. That might be the formula here. So I don't know. But ultimately, if you've been following the story up until now, this is a very effective issue. I really enjoyed it because it puts everyone into play that is on the field. We do see a few characters get taken off the field. But we see another character possibly having a change of heart uh, because he is currently fighting for the dark side. You know, there is definitely a dark side and a light side here in this. And it's hard to figure out who you should be rooting for because everyone is a supernatural monster. Ultimately, this is a very effective book because there is plenty of moral gray areas to explore. There's plenty of gore. There's plenty of supernatural action. So if you're looking for something like that with a twi- with a twist of Hamilton thrown in there, then... Uh, don't throw away your shot. Oh, there's another music reference, folks. And take a chance on Philadelphia. And I think that is it for me, folks. How could you ever say no to this? Awesome. Wow. Uh, all right. So for <laughs> um, <laughs> for myself. Uh, the, 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 the black. Well, no, no, no. We're not doing black Adam this week. Sorry. Uh, the, 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 the Batman White Knight Red. Well, excuse me. White Knight presents Red Hood, which is weird because every time I hear uh, like White Knight presents, I think of Donald Duck presents, which I know that's a reference that not a lot of people are going to get. Uh, la 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 la. So yeah, <clears throat> this is another uh, miniseries set in the. I guess the the pinned uh murphy verse um i did not realize that's what it was called but it, it makes a whole lot of sense but yeah, oh, yeah. So, um which by the way is a, is a good universe i, I personally because I, I think i don't i'm i don't read a lot of batman at all this is probably um some of the pe- better batman stories because it's not really even centered around uh batman a whole lot of the time but it's just set in the world of might have something to do with it in this case uh, this is a spinoff miniseries that is um, uh, starring uh, Jason Todd, who in this world was the first Robin, not the second or yes, not the second. So basically him and, and Dick flip uh, flip spaces. Um, and in this issue, uh, I guess this is a kind of a. Uh, this kind of goes back in time a little bit because the current uh, miniseries kind of already has um, uh, Jason Todd established uh, uh, in a certain place where he was. Uh, this is kind of uh, 
kind of going back a little bit, but kind of, uh, but kind of also current because uh, it starts off with uh, a memory of that famous meeting between him and the Joker, but it doesn't necessarily play out the same way as it did in the Prime Universe. Um, but uh, it uh, sets in motion uh, how. Jason feels about certain things and I guess led to the downfall of the relationship between him and Bruce, uh, as we get alluded to here, but then we cut to the current, uh, the, the current time where he runs across this, uh, this young lady who's already in a Robin costume, a little plucky chick, I like her named gal, uh, who runs across him and recognizes him as, uh, you know, as being a former Robin and wants to be trained by him because, you know, she's he's Batman adjacent and, you know, she's all not necessarily fangirling, uh, but she's kind of, you know, like, oh, you so you should be able to teach me this and that, da, 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 uh, which he reluctantly does. Uh, and that starts off, uh, you know, he training her. Uh, or basically trying to train her like Bruce trained him, but doesn't really work out that well and ends up going another way. But um, I'm going to assume the crux of this miniseries is going to be the dynamic between them and uh, Jason wrestling with uh, the past, I guess, and, and uh, going forward into uh the his uh current and future of this this universe it was a, it was a pretty good read I, I must say um it's only looks like it's only going to be two issues so you know as um as many limited series ago this is you know uh this is going to be a little light on that which you know there's been some books like that has there even been like one shots that you know there's been fully fleshed stories in this universe so it's pretty good uh next up though New Champion of Shazam, number one of four. Oh, no, I forgot to read something. Bing. Yeah, sorry, folks. I'm trying to... There we go. Um, and actually, I forgot. Um, the Batman White Knight presents Red Hood. It's the stories by uh, Sean, Sean Gordon Murphy. Script by Clay... Um, uh, McCormick, art by Simone DeMeo, and colors by De, uh, Simone DeMeo and Dave Stewart. New Champion of Shazam uh, is written by Josie Campbell with art by Evan, Shane, uh, Evan Doc Shainer. Um, mostly known as Doc Shainer, but you know. Uh, letters by Becca Carey. So, Mary Marvel, uh, part of the, the uh, Marvel family of the DC Universe, aka Shazam, um, basically due to the events of, uh, what's going on, uh, what was going on in Teen Titans Academy, uh, Billy Batson had, uh, locked himself away in the Rock of Ages. And I believe that may have caused the rest of the Marvel family to lose their powers. I'm that part. I'm not entirely sure, but, uh, this issue establishes the fact that Billy, um, uh, not necessarily prepared for that inevitability, but has ways to, to work around it because, um, uh, uh, Mary who is going off to college and away from her family, trying to find a, a new identity, you know, and, uh, trying to find herself as, as t- people tend to do in college, 
ends up being pulled back into um, the, the world of uh, Shazam thanks to a magical talking bunny that uh, Billy uh, set up for her. So she basically has her own Mr. Tawny. If, if anybody knows that deep cut reference, I can't say that I, I know it all that well, but I know that's a thing in DC. Um, so yeah, she gets her powers back, but she seems like she is the sole, uh, possessor of, uh, the, the powers of Shazam outside of Black Adam, who's, you know, off doing other stuff. That's beside the point. That's a different thing. And, uh, this sets her up with two, uh, mysteries that seem like they're going to connect at some point. One having to do with her parents who are apparently missing and two, um, somebody she was fighting who looks like they had a cell phone in their chest, but also maybe have been imbued with magic themselves. So I suspect those two things are going to come together uh, during the, the course of this uh, miniseries. We shall find out. Magic the Gathering, number 17. Uh, oh, man, these covers, I tell you, this is going to be crazy. There we go. Um, written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Jacques Salomon, Iguara, and Kath Lobo. Colors by Ariana Salkansani, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. So we find um, this a young, newish uh, planeswalker with that I don't think I've ever heard of before, um, but definitely new to the story, Finding, trying to find a way to... Um, actually, this is, uh, has to do with his attempt to infiltrate Ravnica, which has been taken over by Tesseret and blocked off from the rest of the other planes. And also, uh, Nico is looking for three missing uh, planeswalkers who he's found out and found what's going on him with them. Uh that Tezzeret has um, has basically imprisoned, um, for lack of a better word, uniquely with each one of them. Uh, Nico is basically recounting his time in his infiltration of Ravnica and what happens when he tries to confront uh, Tezzeret head on without thinking, coming out of the outside of this, uh, the end of the story rather. So, which it causes the uh, the people trying to get into Ravnica to to um, to think of a new plan. But that's pretty much the crux of this issue. Da, 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 da. Next up, new Fantastic Four number three. Pardon me, folks. There we go. Um. Written by Peter David, art by Alan Robinson, color artist Mike Spicer, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So this is the um, new slash old story the, the, um, that has been wedged into a past history of the new Fantastic Four, that being consisting of Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Hulk, and Wolverine. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, and there's this priest that they come across who apparently can wish for things to happen. Uh, and in this issue, we see that priest starting to get a handle on his powers, I guess, but all while dealing with a possessed uh, human torch and um, 
a whole bunch of other people running amok in Vegas. Uh, and also um, Ghost Rider, who apparently I found out was uh, Danny Ketch, because I did not read the original uh, new uh, Fantastic Four story, and it was Danny Ketch. Because I, I was like, why is he calling... Well, like, why is this demon calling dude Danny when it's uh, Johnny Blaze? I'm like, kind of to find out it was Danny Ketch. I did not know. So, um, regardless, uh, we get a quite amusing scene back at uh, the Baxter building of Doctor Strange uh, interrupting a moment between uh, uh, Sue Richards, Sue and Reed Richards. Because he came bearing uh, warnings for something that is probably going to be related to what's going on in Las Vegas, which leads them to figure out that, hey, Johnny's not here anymore. What's going on? So I guess this, uh, the rest of the actual Fantastic Four uh, is going to get involved with uh, with this situation in the next issue. But we shall see. Uh, Legion of X number four. This is the wrong, um, this is the wrong, uh, 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 cover for this book. So I apologize for that, but this was the one they had up for some strange reason. Uh, it's written by Cy Spurrier. If you, this is, if you're watching the video version, if you're watching, if you're listening to the, um, the, uh, regular version, the audio version, you don't know what in the world I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, Legion of X number four, written by Cy Spurrier, art by John, or Jan Basildua. Uh, color artist Federico Blee, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, I because of the um, the checklist at the end of the book, we found out that this comes before those last two uh, X Men books that we uh, were discussing earlier. Doesn't necessarily have anything to do with AXE, so that's beside the point. However, one there is a character who is coming to play a part in this issue uh, as uh, in Kurtz and uh, Weaponless Zen's uh, uh, investigation of uh, some Iraqo Iraqo business that is in both and um, may or may not have been dealt with in one one of those books that is going to come up later in, um, I guess, in a couple of issues, what what we come to find out in... um, in one of the X books from this week, but we come to find out that there's uh, some some other things going on with this. Like I said, there was um, Hyatt Arakin, um, and also Charles Xavier, who during this whole time of Hoxpox uh, is is recognized to not have not um, not be the Charles Xavier that you might know from the past. Like he has definitely changed in, during the course of this, uh, this whole thing. It just seems like he's just more of an ass now, <laughs> like a more That's of a self-righteous funny. ass. Um, kind of. Yeah. And, and this whole thing and it, 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 it is, and I'm saying that because it has come apparent throughout Hotspox and, and all now, but it's like, but now it kind of, uh, just kind of, is point blank, especially in how he's talking to his son and dealing with his son and, and people around him. Like he does a couple of things. He does something, uh, in this, uh, in this issue with his own stepbrother, by the way, that, you know, was not consensual. Uh, one. And like I said, the, the way he just like treats his son, it's like, that's just 
This is why he went bad in the first place, dude. But he's he seems to be the better person. But again, this is before what happens in the um, Xbox. Whether he's going to have a change of heart anytime soon, who's the, who the heck knows? Um, but also, we also at the same time get uh, a little, let's say, bonding session with uh, Kurt and this new character, Weaponless Zen. Um, a little quicker than I thought was going to be the case, but also a teaching lesson in the, at the same time of uh, going through this. I know this is this particular book is not one that some people would be um, would go to knowing the 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 the, the uh, knowing the hierarchy of books, uh, the X books that because like this is seems like there's something. This is a book that's on the side, and it kind of very well is, is but it's also dealing with something that's, I guess, fundamental to the the, the culture they're trying to um, um, uh, set up, purvey, you know, the, 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 they're trying to, to settle in with uh, Krakoa um, with a certain kind of religion and or cultural choices that they're trying to do in this book and and this is kind of a work in progress uh uh with that with nightcrawler at the lead it's i would say it's interesting i know it's probably not going to be something that everybody would pick up because like i said it doesn't it's not necessarily one of the quote-unquote main x books but it's something that kind of ties into in the background of the main x books at a certain point so they all kind of weave in and out of each other but it's been interesting and i say all that to say this if you're going to try this book, probably wait till the next arc and read them all in a trade or something like that. Because I guarantee you, they would probably read a lot better then than it does from month to month. Or week, you know, every other week. I think, wait, this has been coming out like every two weeks, right? Or has it been monthly? I don't know. This is, books have been coming out fast. But regardless, I think it'll read a little bit better. Uh, in, in trade than, than month to month. Because I can realize you're going into it's like, what does it have to do with anything? Well, it it feels like it's kind of setting up something that's um, that's going to be in the background uh, of, of their society that they're, they're building up. And that, folks, is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week! <laughs> We didn't get anything from the little dudes, did we? We did not. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm good with mine. Yeah, you uh, seem set. I, yeah, uh, I'll tell I'll tell you that I definitely did appreciate a couple of the books that we got this week. Philadelphia number twenty four being one. Moon Knight fourteen, even though I didn't give it much uh, attention during my uh, rapid fire review, I thought it was also really good. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with X Men Red number five because of the the way the destruction uh, Uranus wreaked on Araka was portrayed. And that last page got me hyped for what's coming next. Right. I have to give credit where credit is due to both Al Ewing and Stefano Caselli for giving me a killer cliffhanger page, cliffhanger ending page uh, as a last, uh, as a going away present. Yes, it does feel like there shall be a reckoning. I dare say. For myself, um... I'm weirdly leaning towards Iron Man 22 um, because of the fact that it was it's setting up um, 
a familiar storyline or a, a another version of it of it right and analog to it at least yeah but um you know without knowing where it's going to go and how it's going to go we can only say it, it's showing promise um batman white knight number uh white knight presents red hood also was a pretty decent one um Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm. Oh, Moon Knight number fourteen definitely also was a, was a was a pretty good one. I thought, you know, they're basically saying it's all you. This is you. This has nothing to do with us. It's all you, Mark. It's an intervention. Mm-hmm. Even though we didn't dress it up as an intervention, but it was totally an intervention. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I guess I'll go with uh, Iron Man twenty two. Just kind of. Let that go out. And with that, uh, we can go on to the news section, but first, an ad read. All righty. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP. 10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into some cinematic news as we do about this time. Loki writer reveals Miss Marvel Easter egg that she snuck into the show. Um... Which, by the way, um, the if you have Disney Plus, the um, assembled, which is basically the, the behind the scenes uh, uh, making of uh, um, uh, show that they do for their Disney shows, is up for Ms. Marvel. So you can definitely check that out if you're if you're interested. Uh, but Miss um, Marvel head writer Bish, uh, Bishake Ali uh, apparently. Uh, slipped a Miss Marvel Easter egg into Loki's uh, episode, Lamentis, which was the one that found uh, Loki and uh, Sylvie trapped on uh, the planet that was about to go bye-bye. Uh, for, uh, and that was, like a, that was last year, so that's interesting. So, let's see. In a post on Twitter, she, the, the writer confirmed that she met for Miss Marvel and was feeling hopeful when overseeing the third episode of uh, Loki as executive story editor. So she decided to feature a, a city of uh, a city on the edge of Lamentis as a, an advanced nod to the transition she and the characters were facing. Um, Shiru means to start or the start and it's the start of something new for LNS, a transformation uh, Ali explained. Uh, and the writing that episode was the start of something new for her which was her uh, show running um, um, Marvel. So that's neat. That's pretty cool. 
So basically, she snuck some Urdu text into uh, into the episode, uh, which the translation of that I just gave. Which you never noticed that. So go figure. Next up, I wanted to circle back on something that we had talked about earlier. Okay. So sure. apparently, the Mandarin has been gone for a long time. Uh, I he's would, been gone. He's been gone since like 2012. I kind of figured it's been a while, but how I just don't know. 2012, 2013 ish. You know, right. probably approximately around that time that we got Iron Man three. Right. Yeah, that's sure that checks out. We don't. Sure. <laughs> We're not. I doubt if we're getting Tr- Trevor Slattery in the pages of Iron Man. I was just curious, so I I I I went to the Googles, and this is off the Wikipedia article, so you know we we can't uh, we can neither confirm nor deny the veracity of this particular account. But at the end of the day, uh, feels that logical. seems to be what happened. Yeah, that feels logical. And I'll have to read that. But in who? Hmm. All right. Next up, Ms. Marvel directors detail a deleted scene they're begging Marvel to release. So, uh, the directors Adil L. Arby and Bilal Falah hope a certain deleted scene from the MCU Disney Plus series will finally see the light of day. During a recent interview with The Direct, they explained that several scenes were cut from the Disney Plus series, with the directors asking the studio to make at least one publicly available. Also, with her costume reveal, she comes for the first time in her costume, and she looks at this little kid, and she says, Whoa, you're Ms. Marvel. And then, boom... Kamala gets a ball against her head and she falls and it's one of the kids on the basketball courts who throw it, who throws it. But that shot is really funny. We're going to ask and plead with Marvel to put it on YouTube someday. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, guess what, folks? It was Kevin Feige's all along um, who was responsible for the use of the X-Men animated theme in that one uh, episode of uh, Miss Marvel. Spoiler alerts for Miss Marvel, the series, if you haven't seen it. But, uh, yes, there was, I will say that the use of the X-Men animated theme was something that was prominently and uh, quite interestingly um, laid in to the last episode of Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, like I said... Right. Causing, causing more friction between Iman Vellani and Kevin Feige. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, during the interview uh, with the rap, um, uh, um, Adil El Arbi and uh, Bilal Falad discusses this part of the same uh, article from the last article. Um, discussed the secrecy of introducing one of the first mutants into the uh, MCU. Well, uh, to begin with, it was the last thing Bilal and I read. Uh, so that was the best kept secret. Nobody knew about it until we read the last version of the script, and all of a sudden it was like, damn. That Kevin, uh, then Kevin Feige said, just shoot this, put a little music on it, and that's it. Uh, LRB concluded by explaining that both X-Men, the animated series, and Spider-Man, the animated series, were his and Falah's uh, introduction to the MC Marvel Universe. Uh, Bunch of millennials. Yeah, I know, right? Which is actually kind of reminded me of something that I meant to mention uh, before we started talking at all. Um, uh, go watch the Milestone Generation um, uh, uh, documentary on HBO Plus, uh, HBO Max, while HBO Max is still a thing, because it's pretty good. If you're ever curious about uh, where Static Shock came from and the, the comic book line 
uh, uh, called The Milestone. Definitely check it out. It's, it's a pretty interesting uh, documentary for, for being in yeah. this. I mean, we wa- you know, I watched it first, and I said to the rest of our crew, the rest of the hosts of the Comic Book Chronicles, that I kind of wished that I was coming in fresh because I would have learned a lot more. A lot mm. of the stuff was stuff I knew already. Yeah, stuff Most that kind of came out with the time. Already, yeah. Right. Yeah, there was a couple of things I didn't uh, know, but for the most part, yeah, for the, uh, well, like I knew a lot of it. But um, it's still interesting, even if you do know it. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely check out that documentary. And and the reason why I bring that up is because just like the directors, uh, the showrunners here in that documentary, some of the newer folks were like, "Yeah, uh, Static, uh, the uh, Static, the, the the cartoon was my introduction uh, introduction to the Milestone um, characters, right. characters, right." Because that was the one that that ended up coming out, so I'm like, okay, that's that makes sure, okay. <laughs> and then I felt instantly old because you know. <laughs> I mean, I had only ever read like the first couple of issues of each of those books, so mm. you know, uh, anything more in depth than that, I probably got from the Static Shock cartoon. I want to say, actually, weirdly enough, although I was a little bit older. I am a little bit older. I think Static probably was. Like, I was around them, but I wasn't reading books that heavily. And this, because the Milestone was like a 90s thing, and I wasn't really mm-hmm. reading too many books at all. I didn't, read it, I didn't read it when it was initially coming out. I actually read it after it had first come out. Right. Because I was working at a comic book store. Right. And we were, you know, one of our jobs as like a group of uh, college kids was to uh, shuffle around some of the back issues. And so I had a chance in, in some downtime to read. And I was like, oh, you know, let me take a look at these. Right. So, you know, I did not read them as they were coming out. Right. Uh, my budget I, didn't allow for it. So That was uh, the other thing. Yeah. All right. Well, next up, moving along, speaking of that animated series for the millennials that introduced them to the X-Men that had a theme song – uh, by Whitney Houston. I mean, uh, by <laughs> um, thanks to fan demand, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm your, I'm your baby tonight, I think is the Whitney Houston song. That is correct. Um, thanks to fan demand, Marvel's X-Men, the animated series has been restored to its original story order on Disney plus. So the announcement of the technical fix for the critically acclaimed was a critically acclaimed, really yeah, Fox excellent. kids cartoon, from the 90s was made on Marvel's Twitter account. It was posted with a GIF of the series logo and a caption that read, because you asked for it, sugar. Oh, jeez. X-Men, the animated series, is now in original story order on Disney+. Plus. So, I... One, uh, Age of 78 and I had talked about this a while ago when I told him that I was revisiting uh, that series when it got on Disney+. Plus. Um... And I also told him, if I remember correctly, that it was wildly out of order when it was, um, in, especially in certain particular seasons, not just like certain spots here and there. Clone Wars was also out of, out of place in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of spots, although neither here nor there. So if anybody wants to revisit it now, they don't have to go through the, the, uh, the issue that I and other people did in revisiting or visiting that sh- uh, show which I don't know why it was out of order in the first place. It makes no sense why they do that. Like, why do... Like, they, they did it with Firefly. So why is this stuff out of order? Just run it the way they, they you know, they had it set up. So it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But it's, it is 
what it is. So yeah, it's out there. I hadn't checked a, um checked a reorder, and I'm not going to because I've already done my rewatch of it. But uh, it's out there, folks. Have at it. Uh, what if season two cast Steve Rogers in a Winter Soldier type role? This I'm not surprised with, to be honest. I thought the way we they... talked about this. No, we didn't. We um we talked about the fact that what if was was getting a season three or whatnot, but I don't think we talked about this. Okay. Um, but at the Marvel Studios animation panel, this is there's still stuff coming out from from San Diego. In fact, this was I think this is some spillover from last week. Anyway, um, they talked about the episode uh, with Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers. You've seen it. We don't have to talk about it. But basically, at the end of that uh, um, episode, it kind of set up. Um, a potential continuation dealing with uh, uh, the reveal of someone p- p- potentially being alive, that being Steve Rogers in the Hydra Stomper um, with a candlestick. Uh, but apparently it sounds like he's going to possibly do the, the Winter Soldier thing uh, in going into the next season. But we'll see. Next up. All right, Roger Jean Page has not joined the MCU. Disney included him on Secret Invasion cast list in error. That's a heck of an error. Right? I thought, yeah, because I remember seeing this. I'm like, well, how you, would you make that mistake? Or maybe that's the thing you wanted. Or maybe like, maybe he was thinking about it and it didn't. And he was like, nah. <laughs> maybe he got cut. Or maybe he got cut. Yeah, it could be anything. It's, it's, it's like, but that's kind of a weird error that could have potentially had some legs to it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he might have gotten cut from, you know, from the movie and his character may appear somewhere else. Yeah. So or, yeah, like I said, it could have been, it was like, well, maybe they were trying to get him in, or maybe it was like in, you know, in a first draft uh, before going into the thing. Like they had it that he was in here, but they never did actually secure whether he was going to actually be in it or not. So, <laughs> so whoever put this out there was going off for some old information. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. All right, moving next on. What's next? She-Hulk includes oh, um, a Ghost Rider reference, apparently. So I, I heard talk, um, talk of this uh, on a couple of videos, and I'm like, I didn't see it, but okay. So Entertainment Tonight shared an exclusive uh, clip of the, the upcoming Disney Plus series, teasing uh, what fans could expect from the show. One clip, clip, clip excuse me, around the one minute 50 mark, Shows Wong on a stage where he appears to be fighting a few uh, unknown winged creatures, but fans had their attention uh, diverted. I know they probably just went frame by frame like like a whole bunch of YouTube videos do. You're giving these people too much credit. Uh, away from the action after a Ghost Rider reference spot in the scene, and that being a poster for a... a it says it looks like Donnie Blaze, but it could be Johnny with like two uh, two ends and not... The, the traditional spelling of Johnny with the, with the H in the two ends. Um, and the, the, in the picture, the person seems to be on fire or ablaze as it, as it were. So, uh, this article is speculation that it could be, uh, possibly a combination of Johnny and Danny catch, uh, Johnny blaze and Danny catch. Or it just could be something we we don't know anything about. So, but nevertheless, that little tidbit was there uh, that some people definitely caught. Next up, 
Star Wars spinoff Andor has a new trailer and a new premiere date. The Disney Plus series will now start streaming in September. So, um, just a few days ago, Disney released a new trailer for Andor, the next big Star Wars series on Disney Plus. And with it comes news that the show has been delayed by nearly a month. Andor was previously pegged for a premiere on August 31st, but the new clip says that it will debut with a three-episode premiere on September 21st. The show is a prequel to a prequel taking place before the events of the film Rogue One, which itself was set before the first Star Wars movie. It will once again star Diego Luna in the titular role of Cassian Andor, while or Cassian Andor, while the trailer uh, also shows off the return of Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera. Nice! <laughs> Stop, please! Nice. So, yeah, uh, you, you, I assume you watched it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I didn't even read the, this far into the article. I already had that uh, sound effect already keyed up. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to make an Andor joke, but we, we'll leave that for when we talk about the show. I'm sure there's one that's going to be more prevalent. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer nabs 172 million views in the first 24 hours. One of Marvel's biggest, which goes against the stupid Reddit post. And I hate Reddit, um, but you can go to my Reddit, my subreddit. Uh, anyway, um, where somebody was like, oh, it didn't do as well as uh, Thor Ragnarok because it, Thor Ragnarok got X many views, you know, in 24 hours than this did. So that means it's not going to be any good. And I'm sitting here like, what? What kind of madness are you on? And then somebody actually pointed out, I was like, well, Thor Ragnarok kind of came in at a different time and wasn't, you know, and wasn't a lot of... There was somebody... Basically, there was a, there was bucking up again without saying the obvious where are your numbers, you know, thing, which we did not see. Um, but regardless, hey, that trailer did real good, regardless of buttholes on the internet. Because <laughs> there were, because there were definitely a lot of downvotes for that, uh, for that trailer because people are stupid. Uh, but anyway, a lot of views. There you go. Next up. Next up in related news, Black Panther's Winston Duke cautions fans about Wakanda Forever expectations. So he told fans to drop any expectations they may have about the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe film. The actor who plays. Mbaku explained to Entertainment Weekly how the sequel would differ from its predecessor. Quote, it's also important to let go of any expectation that this movie will be Black Panther 1. Duke explained, this is going to be its own thing. This narrative has evolved and it's changed just like all the characters and the circumstances of Wakanda itself. For me in particular, I just had to let go of the expectation of this being anything like the first movie and allow this movie to be its own thing, unquote. That's fair. Yeah, and that's the reason why I kind of put this in here because I know there was definitely expectations uh, on both sides uh, of the of the joint uh, with this with this movie because I know people were like, "Well, this should have happened. This might not happen. This shouldn't happen. How they're going to handle this?" And da, 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 all the kind of speculations that we don't won't know until the movie drops, you know. And people are already like, "Well, it's not going to be this because of whatever, whatever, whatever." Which is like let the movie stand on its own when when we see it and we'll see. And we've no, already the, seen some of the some of the after effects of the blip uh, on Wakanda over the course of the movies that have come since. Right. So we'll see more direct 
evidence of you know what Wakanda is like in the wake of the blip, but we've already seen a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, Black Panther two cast UFC champion uh, Kamaru Usman in mystery role, or it was reported as such. So apparently, this came from. Uh, MMA fighting, which I guess is a site. I, uh, yeah. Uh, and in, not only that, but it came from uh, UFC Hall of Famer Daniel Cormier. So this is not coming from anybody in Marvel. It's not coming from... How was that? Oh. Anyway. No, that was uh, me. I pressed it by accident. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is basically coming... I, I, say, I would say this is not coming from someplace official. <laughs> it's a rumor basically so like some ufc guy saying this other ufc guy is going to be uh involved in in uh, wakanda forever and apparently this was during um a weigh-in show for a fight so like i said gotta take that for whatever the hell that was but i thought it was a weird tidbit so nevertheless next up Next up, Avengers The Kang Dynasty is to be directed by Shang-Chi filmmaker Destin Daniel Cretton. So I think we did mention this, so I'll just touch on this very briefly. This is straight out of the Hollywood Reporter, and um, it was revealed by Kevin Feige at Marvel Saturday presentation at San Diego Comic-Con that, uh, that Destin Daniel Cretton, uh, that this movie was coming out, and now it's been revealed that Destin Daniel Cretton is helming this movie. Right, yeah, we we knew about the movie. We didn't know he was helming it until a few days later. So, um, Fast Sensing Force Jessica Alba says MCU so white. <laughs> Gosh, I just it's still quite Caucasian despite diversity efforts. So this was an interview with uh, Glamour UK uh, when she was asked about diversity efforts on the part of Hollywood studios and. Um, and others, according to uh, other things, I guess, according to this article. So, uh, quote unquote, it's something they care about, which is fine. How they get there doesn't really matter. You're like, great. Now you realize there's a whole group of people that you just frankly less out of the conversation because you didn't see them. Uh, they were there the whole time. Uh, and I guess it's, it's the people in charge. However they get there, it really genuinely doesn't matter. I just think more of, of the young people who are coming up who are going into our who are going to be our future leaders it's important for them to see the world on screen or in stories in the dreams that we create as entertainers it reflects the world that they live in uh and then it, this this talk turns to to uh marvel and basically she says it's still quite caucasian uh even though they they they're trying to to paraphrase what she's saying <laughs> And I think she was saying that this was before the Disney buyout, so I don't know. Maybe she's drawing some parallel there, also. So that is uh, an interesting thing for for Miss Alba to say. So I got a kick out of that. Next up, no comment. <laughs> Goodness gracious! All right, next up, Malaysia Not confirms like have the cancellation. Leg. Of Thor Love and Thunder release. Why, Malaysia? It's not like they spit gum. Oh, that's fit Singapore. Um, it's not like they spit gum down on the on the ground, did they? Um, 
So Malaysian theater operator Golden Screen Cinemas has announced that Thor Love and Thunder will not get a theatrical release in the country. This follows on from announcements two weeks ago, uh, some weeks ago, that the film was indefinitely postponed. Um, it finished with the uh, in the announcement. It finished with the rejoinder, "Please buy our merchandise." Okay, seriously. Um, so let's see here. So the postponement the postponement move is the second lost release of a Disney handled movie in Malaysia. In the space of two months, in June, the release of Pixar animated movie Lightyear was canceled. After the country's censorship authority asked for cuts to the film, understood to include a same-sex kiss in order for the film to obtain release certification. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be related to why Thor was canceled also. Sure. Next up. Um... Sad news. So, well, this is starting the sad news block, folks. So, apologies ahead of time. Um, Titanic, The Omen, and uh, Tron star David Warner dies at eighty. This was news from last week that we forgot to uh, that I forgot to uh, mention. Excuse me, but um, I would say prolific actor David Warner because he's been all over the place. Apparently. Um, Again, the aforementioned Titanic and the Omen and Tron, which, you know, that's, I think that is my first, uh, first, um, uh, seeing of this man. But according to the BBC, Warner passed away on Sunday, July the 24th at, uh, Denville Hall, which is a care home for those in the interest, uh, entertainment industry from a cancer related, uh, illness that apparently he looks like he's been dealing with with the for the past 18 months prior to that. So, um, his family says in the statement, uh, he will be greatly missed by us, his family and friends, and remembered as a kind-hearted, generous, and compassionate man, partner, and father, whose legacy of extraordinary work has touched the lives of so many over the years. We are heartbroken. And when this is true, because this man has been in a lot of things. Uh, apparently, I did not know this. I was looking through his, because uh, like I said, I know him from Tron, uh, and, and, um, and, and, uh, few other things uh but apparently oh yeah star trek 6 undiscovered uh, country also that totally forgot about that but apparently this dude did an episode of teen titans go which is uh interesting uh gumball he was uh, did a few episodes of that and a lot of british british stuff of course and some doctor who uh but yeah man's been all over the place um um great actor so Next up. Next up, actor Mary Alice, known to most nerds for playing the Oracle in the Matrix Revolutions, or otherwise known as That's Not the Oracle I Knew, and voicing the character in video games, has passed away at the age of 85. So she had appeared in numerous other big screen and especially Broadway productions, and I believe won a Tony as well. She died on Wednesday in her home. In New York City, according to the Hollywood Reporter, a cause of death was not given. Yeah. So sad news, may she rest in power. Indeed. For a subsection of folks, she was also Lady Bostic on uh the first season of Different World. So mm. yeah. uh, right, so she she played she was in uh, Awakenings with uh, Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. 
She had a part in the Bonfire of the Vanities. I do remember her in uh, Malcolm X, the Spike Lee joint. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, great actress. Uh, Also, sad news uh, that happened uh, within the last couple of days: Nichelle Nichols, aka uh, Uhura, Star Trek, uh, died at uh, eighty-nine. I know that she has had some conservatorship issues in the past couple of years um, uh, with uh, that kind of stuff. So. I about saying plays into that is, is another that doesn't really matter at this point because uh, we we lost a, a legend and an icon in uh, definitely Ms. yeah Ms. because Nichols. at the end of the day her health was failing her right. mind was failing and that right. was the worrying part and that's where that conservatorship issue the issue those issues pop you know uh, uh, come about from yep and so that's what was very troubling I remember seeing her at a con. Um, you know, I wasn't online or anything. I didn't buy an autograph. I just remember seeing her at a table. Right. And right. she was, but well, this is a while ago, so she was still on the healthier side. But then I saw her again when her health had started to fail and she seemed very frail. Mm-hmm. And I was very disturbed to hear that uh, her mind was also going. And, you know, it's it's at that point when, you know, it's it's difficult to hear stories about what almost turns into form a form of elder abuse right and it's very disturbing to hear stories like that when it comes to uh you know famous you know famous people who shouldn't be treated like that because they were in fact trailblazers and icons right in fact i think i just saw something before we started about someone else who um uh might be having those same same issues and i can't remember who it was at this point but um yeah it, it's, a, it's a sad thing and you know, having been around family with, with who has had uh, memory issues and actually one out of definitely know that has has a similar relations, it's it's not easy to deal with. Well, mm-hmm. and, and definitely not easy for them. It's not easy for anyone taking care of them, right? As, as well. So, right, right. Uh, All right. Again, next up, rest of power. Uh, Star Trek teases a Picard v Picard cast and Strange New Worlds crossover. So the new Star Trek Picard trailer, I have not watched this yet actually, gives us a first look at the stars set to, repri- set to reprise their or reprise their roles in the series third and final season. Paramount Plus, ah, Paramount Plus, only Disney Plus gets that treatment. <laughs> Paramount Plus debuted the one-minute trailer at San Diego Comic-Con, which features most of the main cast from Star Trek The Next Generation, including... Patrick Stewart, LeVar Burton, Jerry Ryan, Michelle Hurd, Michael Dorn, Marina Sirtis, uh, or Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes, and Gates McFadden. The teaser gave us gives us a brief glimpses at each character, along with short but profound quotes. Notably absent from the trailer is Brent Spiner, although Paramount Plus hinted at his appearance in a trailer back in April. Uh, this is set to debut on Paramount Plus in 2023, but that's not all. Paramount Plus also announced a crossover episode between the Star Trek New Strange New World show and the animated Star Trek Lower Decks, which comes from the same creator as Rick and Morty, with both Ensign Beckett Mariner or Mariner and Ensign Brad Boimler hopping aboard the USS Enterprise in Strange New Worlds. It'll be interesting to see how the live action and animated worlds collide. Are you interested in this crossover? Because I know you're going to be down for Picard. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm things for, for most things, uh, most of not all things Star Trek. So yeah, I've not watched this lower deck thing yet and I've not watched uh strange new worlds yet. Um, so I am, but I am still very curious of, uh, the, the crossing over of those, uh, of those ones. I think you can skip the next story because I just covered it and move on to the next one. Well, which is still kind of related because um, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 trailer takes the Cerritos to Deep Space Nine. So uh, apparently, um, this also came out during San Diego Comic Con. Um, there was a Lower Decks Season trailer. It picks up after Season 2 cliffhanger, which uh, uh, in which Captain Carol Freeman, who's played by A Different World's Don Lewis, uh, and uh, Mr. Cooper, if you know him from there, her from there, uh, was falsely implicated in the destruction of Pakled Planet. As a result, the USS Cerritos has been impounded and the crew grounded. And I guess from that, they end up on Deep Space Nine. Um, in, in an, according to this, in an adventure, in an Indiana Jones-esque adventure, which includes uh, a visit to DS9. So, I'm all for anything DS9 also related. So, ding. Uh, next up. Oh, ne- your, your boy, is, um, Eugene Codero is also in this, apparently. Say again? Uh, Eugene Codero. Pillboy! Yeah. Uh, apparently he's a part of the cast, uh, uh, uh in the show. So. I'm, I was guessing when you said that, I was like, oh, that sounds Filipino. He's right. actually, he's also in that, uh, Easter Sunday movie that, um, that's coming out this weekend with, um. Oh, Yeah. Oh my God! What is the comedian's name? With uh, there's Joe. like a whole cast of Filipinos. Is it Joe Coy? Uh, yeah, Joe Coy. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw the trailer for that. It was interesting. <laughs> you know, that's that that's representation right there. That's that that you know that that that's a good thing. I'm right. not gonna rush out. I'm not Filipino. Right. I'm not rushing out this weekend to go see it, but I'm 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 hopeful that people go out and support. Yeah, it look, like I said, it looks good. So, or at least from that trailer. So we shall see. Uh, next up, though. I got, I got next up. I know. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa reveals Ben Affleck returns as Bruce Wayne in Aquaman two. So uh, he's revealed that um, he announced it on his Instagram page. Momoa posted a picture of himself and Affleck on the set of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom along with the post. Momoa included a caption voicing his excitement to be reuniting with his Justice League co-star. Uh, that's okay. That's a, listen, you know what? It's, it's extending the Snyderverse just a little bit, but you know what? What are you going to do? I mean, is it? Kinda. Eh. Eh. I guess. But, eh. <laughs> hey, Affleck wasn't as bad as people thought it was. And uh, I don't know that, I, I don't know the whole Snyderverse thing. Who knows? I mean, sure. Anyway, Shazam 2 trailer takes a jab at Helen Mirren's Fast and Furious role. I still have yet to watch that trailer, by the way. I, you know what's funny? When I was joking uh, on last week's show when we had at Matt Wang 97 on mm-hmm. that I had not watched the trailer, I had. Because as, as, as soon as I clicked play on I was like, oh, I have seen this. <laughs> nice. Um, that's weird. I wonder why that didn't show up. Um, your thoughts on it? Listen, it's lighthearted. It's Shazam. What are you going to do? Well, fair enough. Uh, next up. So, 
And some dramatic news that dropped just the, just the other day. Warner Brothers has issued a statement about what was once rumored but has now been confirmed that the Batgirl straight-to-streaming movie and the Scoob 2 animated movie have both been canceled. And so more light has been shown on these surprise shelvings. So um, let's see here. All right. So the statement is as follows, quote, the decision to not release Batgirl reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor, and this decision is not a reflection of her performance. We are incredibly grateful to the filmmakers of Batgirl and Scoob, Holiday Haunt, and their respective cast, and we hope to collaborate with everyone again in the near future. Some of the rumors that I read is that uh, they're willing to take a tax write-off on all of the millions they've already put into these, right. and they won't be able to uh, claim those tax write-offs uh, if these projects ever see the light of day. So there's almost no chance that we're ever going to see any hint of these projects. Which is fucked up, uh, if we're being um, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, because especially with what the stuff that they are putting bank, uh, money into. Well, yeah, I mean, out. that's what well, the, the thing is, it's a complicated situation because of what you just said. But at the same time, if they're if, if for whatever reason, the quote, the initial reports of the screenings made the, the, the short this uh, direct to streaming movie irredeemable. That's not a good sign. So that I can I'm, definitely see why. Um, they would be hesitant to, you know, kind of get, you know, even more bad press or bad reviews coming their way. But at the same time, hey, it's streaming. What does right. anybody care? Right. And again, they put out Joker. Well, they, you know, we'll get to some Joker news. I don't know if you have it in here. Uh, that dropped today. Oh, to my uh, Lady Gaga confirmed that she's going to be in. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't yeah, think yeah, I did yeah, put it in there. She's got but... a Joker face. Oh, no. I mean, we I talked, did go there. We talked about the fact that she was going to be in there, so I just took that as the, yeah, that's, that's something they'd probably do. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll mention that right now. I didn't put it in the lineup because it was pretty much already talked about it. So, yeah, it is also worth noting with this particular case, though, um, I've, seen, I've seen reports that that Supergirl movie also might be all on the block. Right. Uh, uh, and some other stuff. Uh, HBO Max might be getting cleaved up and, and tucked under Discovery Plus or something like that, which would be very stupid. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, so this is I rumors. Think that, right. What I was going to say is I think what's going to end up happening is that there's going to be some reshuffling. This is just us, right. you know, purely – it's just pure speculation at this point. I think what there's going to be is some real reshuffling of creative teams because there is some duplication involved. And, you know, they're, they're, it's unfortunately going to mean uh, what, what, you know, it's the same thing that happens whenever there is a merger or an acquisition. When there are similar companies merging together, people are going to lose their jobs, unfortunately. And so uh, part of it is, I think, going to be streamlined where – and I always thought it was a little weird that there would be an HBO team and an HBO Max team even though I understood the logic Right. Because they are two different platforms, HBO being the TV platform and the Max being the streaming platform where they could be a little bit more daring. Right. You know, because not everyone who has HBO Max has direct HBO and vice versa. 
Right. Although you do have, uh, although vice versa really does work as long as they're relatively tech savvy. And technically, I guess depending on how your cable provider is, you can get one if you have the other. Well, no, that's my point. Right. If you have HBO, if you have straight up HBO, you automatically have HBO Max. You do not have to have a separate subscription. But as you know, so long as you are relatively tech savvy and you know how to install an app. So here's something interesting. That part, personally, not true. Because I have HBO Max. I do not have HBO. And AT- no, and no, I got no, 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 That, you, you, you didn't, you didn't, I, I didn't say that wasn't the case. Mm. I didn't say that wasn't the case. I didn't say, my, my point being is that you can, ha- that if you have HBO, you, most of the time you can get HBO Max right. for free. The other way doesn't work. That's what I said. That's what I started with. But that's what I'm so saying. You are I'm, correct. Right. Right. You are correct. But I wasn't saying anything against what that is, against that that's my point right and by the way this is a, a this is the thing maybe check your uh if you have internet service or and or cable service with a, a provider maybe check and see if you have something like that in your thing that they don't they don't necessarily tell you you have just saying you might have a hbo max uh for free <laughs> you right. don't know as long that. as you're paying for the regular hbo service so. I, but i'm saying i'm not though no, I but that but you, you but you're you're actually just you know uh, 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 reinforcing my point is that you can get HBO Max separately. Right. You can, yeah. but if you're already getting HBO, you can get HBO Max. You know, right. basically included with your uh, subscription. Right. So that is also but the case. anyway. Or uh, and or um, actually and or self service. Now that I think about it, because I know you know like some places will give up X months of that stuff. Regardless. Um, I was about to say we're talking in circles because we're not really making an argument. Like at the end of the day, what I said is st- still stands, and ultimately, um, you know, with Discovery Plus throwing basically their wrench into the in, into the uh, situation, that's another. You know, how these two streaming services get along is really how is really what everyone's kind of concerned about. Is right. everything going to fall under the the Discovery Plus banner? Or that's, is it, that's what some people are. Right. Are, are that is a rumor. At. Right. Because because yeah. also I've also seen articles where it's like there are a lot of HBO Max original stuff that also got the cut in addition to stuff like this. Right. I haven't I've seen much of or if anything on the discovery side of getting cleaved. Right. 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 Because they are the purchaser, not the purchaser. Right. Not not the purchasee. You know, the purchasee is HBO. Right. So, so it's, it's a right. weird situation. Next up, though. All right. Um, wait, I forgot who went last. Uh, go ahead and take it. Doesn't oh matter. no, 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 no. Uh, what do you want to call it? No, you're up next because I did the 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 statement about the cancellation. So yeah, right. you're up next. Um, another ending, which I don't know. Maybe this was past partly due, but the Flash on CW is ending with season nine, leaving the Arrowverse. Well, according to this article, all but dead, which might be a little hyper, but you know, <laughs> I think. But also not far off anyway, because I think the the Flash was like one of the one, if not the last show that was still on. Uh, now that I think about it, so yeah, not that far off. But uh, it's uh, apparently that uh, the Flash is ending in season nine. It might be a truncated season. I think they said thirteen episodes. I'm not sure if this article uh, has that, but it's uh, but this is what was reported by the Rap. And with a with a, an interview with the uh, EP of the show, Eric Wallace, who announced that yeah, season uh, nine would be the last, writing that Barry Allen has reached the starting gate for his last run. Ha ha. 
Um, and then the article kind of goes off from there. So, yeah, it was like the, hey, the Arrowverse had its run. Yeah, it ended up being the Flash first for, for a good long time, let's be honest. So, I guess it was past, it, it has been... It's been past due. Yeah. Some would say it's been past due. I, you know, it's hard to argue that, put it that way. Yep. Next up. Next up, the Harley Quinn team. This is the animated series. Won't listen to fans who want a Joker romance, and they say that Harley and Ivy will never break up. Good for them. Uh, season three of the animated show just launched on HBO Max, and it appears fans won't have to worry too much about the longevity of Harley and Ivy's relationship. And uh, yeah, just like I said, they are not trying to bring the Joker of relationship into this animated show. Right. And no need to. Uh, the Justice League Batman and Legion Superheroes gets new... Huh? No, I just said check, just to get rid of the, um, oh. the screwy sound. Right. Um, Justice League Batman and Legion of Superheroes gets new DC animated movies. Uh, this is also coming out of um, Comic-Con after... Um, oh, I still need to watch this. So, after premiering the new Green Lantern Beware My Power movie... Uh, yeah. Uh, for attending fans at the convention, film publicist Gary Emilio uh, spoke on what they could expect in the future. CBR was present, blah, 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 and said that, well, some of this is known already. Uh, Batman, Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, we knew about that already. Uh, Ruby and Justice League, knew about that already. But also revealing that Batman, the Doom that came to Gotham, Legion of Superheroes, and Justice League War World are all titles of movies that are forthcoming. Uh, don't necessarily know when. Also saw something about um, there was supposed to be a Justice uh, Society movie that might have also got scrapped uh, during the course of all this, but I'm not sure if that was the case or not. But nevertheless, hey, we've got more DC anime stuff coming. Next. In unfortunate news, Zack Snyder is set to guest star on Teen Titans Go. Uh, so this came out during Comic-Con. And he's going to be uh, guest starring on an upcoming episode of the popular Cartoon Network series. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Snyder will appear as himself in the series' 365th episode, titled 365. In the chapter... The Titans want their 365th episode to be extra special, so they head to the Warner Brothers studio lot to find a director, Enter Snyder. The episode will premiere this fall on Cartoon Network. Coincidentally, I finally got around to watching on HBO Max the Teen Titans Go episode with Marv Wolfman and George Perez in it, and it was nice to hear right. their voices. Yeah. Um, also in this article, worth noting that um, the hip-hop group De La Soul, who had been on the show before, is going to um, come back to the show in Season 8 for another guest appearance. Um, which I think I saw that uh, episode somewhere, but it was pretty good. Uh, plus, I love De La Soul, so you know, any chance to see them is great. Uh, sure. no, no details about the, the upcoming cameo, though, but... Um, uh, I just, so, I'm just waiting for their old catalog to start streaming because they got their their rights back. I thought it had already. I thought it had started already. Huh. Okay. Not yet. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I don't know what streaming service you're on, but I'm on Spotify. Still hasn't right. come back. It still hasn't come up. That is. Hmm. Okay. I know. Yeah. Spotify. I thought I thought that came up on that, but I guess not. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while for that. Then, if that's the case. Um. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's been like almost a year. I want to say right. it, it was like sometime late last year they got their rice back. Right. So. Huh. Interesting. Uh, next up, though. Uh, the Goon movie is in the works at Netflix. Uh, the Goon is a, uh, is a comic book series, obviously. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about it. Well, that's not a lot also because <laughs> we have to talk about other stuff. Regardless, um, there's going to be a Goon animated movie. Uh, it's going to be at Netflix. And uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Got some uh, some people behind it. And I don't think we have a date for it. We do not. So apparently the, the, the movie had a, a Kickstarter back in 2008. So there you go. It's going it's to be out there. Next up. All right. I don't know if you watched this. Hmm. But Prime Video's buzzworthy adaptation of Paper Girls has already arrived a little bit earlier than fans expected. So this dropped last Thursday night, mm-hmm. and it made the entire first season of Paper Girls available to stream on Amazon Prime Video. So this was supposed to drop on Friday morning, but it dropped a few hours earlier. So it gives uh, fans the opportunity to finally delve into the sci-fi series based on Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chiang's image comic series of the same name. I haven't gotten to this yet. I may just dive into this because I am struggling through uh, season, the latter half of season three of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah, I told you it gets good until it's not. <laughs> it's 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 rough sledding here, folks. Yeah, those last couple of seasons, a little, little, little bit of a slog. It's rough sledding. I can't um, lie. But that said, um, yeah, I. I was around when this when this news dropped, and I did not get a chance to, or I did not take the chance, I should say, to watch it. So <laughs> I am also in the same boat as you. I also kind of want to read this, the the um, the the bookstore first, but I don't think I'm gonna take. The, I'm not gonna do that. I, you know, it's well, I mean, out there. yeah, I was about to say I'd have to go on. I, I you I think you said that you subscribe to Comicsology, so you probably have access to it. I don't. I mean, obviously, there are means to get to it. And I actually right. own, I physically own an autographed, a fully autographed copy of the first issue. Right. Um, when, you know, when it came out, I got it signed uh, by Vaughn and by Cliff Chang. But, um, yeah, I haven't gotten to the, you know, it's only eight episodes, so I should be able to knock this out, you know, over this weekend. You know, like if I watch like an episode or two tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. It's too sure. hard. I'm sure people have uh, checked it out by now. So yeah, I think so. Uh, we'll give impressions next week if we have if we take the chance. Uh, next up, though, is this me? Uh, oh, Godzilla versus Kong sequel officially been, begins filming in Australia. Yep, that was okay. the right. Res- that was the right response. <laughs> That's good. I mean, listen, I'm I, I'm happy. That you know that 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 uh, that that uh, a sequel to this is coming out, you know it's 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 definitely the American version of Godzilla, so you know we we kind of uh, have to deal with it. But at the end of the day, it's still Godzilla. I don't particularly care for you know what happens to Kong, but you know what? Yes. So this was a news report from Australia that uh filming has started so that's how we we know about this um yeah we'll see I, you know 
the, I guess there's a beach, beach scene or a beach party that's going to happen, um, according to what this article says. Next up. Uh, next up, Jessica Jones' is Kristen Ritter, uh, Kristen Ritter, to star in Orphan Black Echoes. So Kristen Ritter is heading back to AMC as the star of Orphan Black Echoes. Ritter, who featured on AMC's Breaking Bad and starred in Marvel's Jessica Jones, will also serve as executive producer for the series. The show is set in the same world as the critically acclaimed sci-fi hit Orphan Black, and will get a 10-episode first season run on AMC Plus, or Plus. The series will be set in the near future, and will take a deep dive into the exp- into the exploration of the scientific manipulation of human existence. I have not watched Orphan Black. This is where Tatiana Maslany came from, right? Yeah, that's correct. Which is which I which is why I found this funny. I was like, huh, Tatiana comes into the MCU with uh with a with a She Hulk and one Marvel character goes <laughs> takes goes into where she came from. So uh but yeah that I've heard good things about the original series. I've I've watched a couple of episodes and uh I, like I said last week I, was, I I have intention to watch it but I've not taken taken that. Um I think this is set up to be is this a prequel to that? I think Doesn't really say, but it basically goes through hey uh Ritter's playing a, a woman named Lucy. Um uh, and they'll unravel the mystery of their uh, identity. Uh, her and a group of women, which was probably her. Next up, uh, Disney Act Disney Plus. Excuse me, actively pursuing a Doctor Who streaming deal with the BBC. Uh, according to Bloomberg, the two streaming uh, giants are currently in discussions ahead of the show's anniversary special one uh, later this year. There's no guarantee that the two will reach a, a deal, making Disney Plus uh, Doctor Who's new streaming home, uh, uh, at least according to anonymous sources. So if the deal goes through, Disney fans and Whovians alike will see the uh, the show on Disney Plus, as well as through the BBC, um, which, as we've said before, there are ways to to, to watch that show if you, if you really, really want to or don't have the thing. Um... Says, oh, Doctor Who was aired uh, exclusively through BBC since the show's premiere in 1963 and has been housed uh, sporadically on different platforms for global viewing, such as uh, HBO Max, which at this point you might as well say is in flux. (laughs) Next up. Everything Everywhere All at Once is A24's first movie to hit 100 million globally. Good for them. I like this movie and I recommend it. Yeah, A twenty four has been been putting out some trailers since. Uh, uh, but then again, there was a film festival recently. But I've noticed there's like every other trailer I've seen recently, it's pretty much coming from them. So that's interesting. So yeah, congrats to them. I have not watched this movie yet, but I will. Uh, I'll hit it up at some point. Uh, Peanuts reveals trailer revealed trailer for a new special. Uh, looks like it's um, revolving around Lucy, and it says Apple TV Plus. I'm not doing that plus thing. That's all Agent Seventy has released the official s- a synopsis for Snoopy Presents Lucy's School, a new Peanuts special set to debut on the streamer. Because as we have talked about uh, in the past, uh, all the Peanuts stuff is under Dis- uh, uh, Apple Plus. If I said Disney Plus, I didn't mean that, uh, but Apple Plus. Apple TV Plus. So if you want to get your 
Peanuts Fix, you got to go there, folks. And that's a crying shame. But anyway, uh, per synopsis, uh, Lucy's school is a love letter to teachers and uh, an appreciation of the impact a teacher can have on a child. Explores the fears of change and shows how Lucy, supported by her friends, faces and overcomes her own fears. And maybe she'll let Charlie Brown kick the ball this damn time. Probably not. Next up. Really, this is the story I got? <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants announces first crossover event, The Title Zone. Nickelodeon, announce, Nickelodeon announces The Title Zone, a crossover event between SpongeBob SquarePants, Camp Coral, and The Patrick Star Show. Um, so this is announced at San Diego Comic-Con. So The Title Zone is a parody of The Twilight Zone. is a one-hour crossover special featuring SpongeBob SquarePants, as well as its spin-off series, Camp Coral, SpongeBob's Under Years, and the Patrick Star Show. The crossover is slated to premiere on Nickelodeon this November. Listen, I like watching SpongeBob SquarePants when it first came out. I thought it was subversive. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. I did not know it had expanded and spun off things. Yeah, apparently it, it had legs. Sea legs. Apparently, yeah. Are you ready, kids? Um... Avatar's last ever been original cabbage merchant actor joins Netflix's uh, adaptation. So according to Avatar News, uh, James C. or James Sai, actually I'm not sure how to pronounce that, my apologies, uh, will portray the cabbage merchant, a.k.a. Cabbage Man, uh, in Netflix's Avatar The Last Airbender. Um Sai or C. voiced the character in the original animated series of the same name, which aired on Nickelodeon, we all know this. He later voiced um, the son of the Cabbage Merchant in uh, Legend of Korra, which I did not know because I still haven't yet to see Korra yet. So that's funny. So you will get to hear him say, my cabbages, all over again. Next up. All right. So this is live action stuff. This is uh, Netflix US announced on Wednesday that it will add Full Metal Alchemist, The Revenge of Scar the first of the two live-action sequel films in the Full Metal Alchemist franchise on August 20th. As previously announced, the company will also add the, Kake, the Kakegurui twin anime spin-off series on August 4th, the Rila Kuma's theme park adventure anime on August 25th, and the Tekken Bloodline animated series on August 18th. Okay. Easy for you to say. By the way, folks, uh, this is the anime block. How you go? Here you go. Um, my hero so academic. Now we're in the now we're in the anime block. Well, yeah. One second, because I was because that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna queue up something, and then I realized when I read this, like, oh no, this is live action. Right. Well, it still counts. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, my hero academia unleashes season six premiere date with new art. That's uh, awesome news. Yeah. Uh, according to the official Japanese Twitter account, the uh, MHA anime will return on October the 1st. I believe I know somebody's birthday. Uh, That's uh, cool. That New illustration, which shows both sides of the upcoming all-out war between uh, pro heroes and villainous paranormal liberation front, was also uh, unveiled. While the premiere date uh, specifically revert, refers to when the show will air in Japan, Crunchyroll has hosted uh, some cast of previous seasons of the show, so it's safe to assume that yeah, this is it's going to continue to happen. That's good news. I should have played this instead. United. 
Because mm-hmm. my hero news is up, was up front. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. Usually the simulcast is like the next day after the, or you know, within hours or the next day after the Japanese uh, showing. So yeah, that'll be that'll be good for that. Maybe I'll be caught up by then. Who's to say? Next up, you should you should try. Yeah, I might. All try. right, next up, My Hero Academia OVA unleashes the anime's wackiest villain yet. So I am fortunate enough to have watched these OVAs first. They dropped two of them over the last week. And um, these are the season five OVAs. There are two OVAs, and the one that they want to focus on here, I don't want to spoil it just in case people are out here not having watched the OVAs yet. Right. But there is a pretty silly, uh, I don't want to say villain, a vandal is the best way to describe him, who mm. has a pretty interesting quirk, which is what... Uh, they call superpowers in the world of my hero academia so yeah it's it's pretty wacky yeah i can't call him a villain he's definitely a vandal he's not a savage is he no 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 more like a let's just say more like a bomber let's say as in tagger sure but not not in the traditional bombing you know uh uh you know someone who bombs sense gotcha Next up, um, boop. last in the, uh, before we go over to the, the, the manga stuff, Crunchyroll, and this came out today, so this is hot off the presses. Crunchyroll closes deal to acquire anime superstore right stuff, which technically... No, we are not though. making a new kids on the vlog reference. No, we are not. So, um, actually, this technically could have gone into the next section, but whatever. It's starting off one way or the other. So, this is... Some quite interesting news. Um, to if you are, you know, if you are in the world of anime merch, basically, um, right stuff has been around for a long time. I honestly, like I said, uh, thought they were kind of not around anymore. Um, but silly of me to think that Crunchyroll bought them, which means Sony bought them. So um, I don't know what this means. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, know what this means. I guess this bulks up their 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 uh, country rolls merch uh, side uh, a, a good bit, and because right stuff also has uh, has uh, done sales like anime stuff, you know, uh, anime uh, DVDs and stuff like that, which I think they do like a whole bunch of uh, like stuff like that, even the adult side of that, which I don't know where that stuff is going. According to somebody that's on on. Um, Twitter, who brought that part up? But I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I guess it's a good news. I mean, it's a good deal. But like I said, we'll see what 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 to do with it. Next up, we're going. I mean, into... competition's usually better, right? But if what you're saying is true, and this right stuff, I'm I'm scrolling through the website now. If you're saying that this had been kind of on its last legs, maybe this is what the site needs to you know revitalize itself and. You know, tying it into the Crunchyroll anime empire now will give it some new life as a as a merchandising arm. Well, I mean, like I said, when I when I thought it was on its last legs, I meant from like years ago because I remember I got a whole bunch of anime. I think through right stuff because they were doing a like Rubik clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't that doesn't necessarily mean they were like going out of business or anything, but at the time, it's like I don't remember hearing too much from them. 
after it. But then again, I wasn't also looking too many too too long and too hard for anime merch. So you know, got it. Um, Understood. That that being said, like I, said, I just hadn't really paid that much close of attention to them uh, since in the prevailing years. But apparently, yeah, they still been around. So, uh, excuse me. So, good on them, I guess. One for for them. But anyway, I mean, uh, if if you know, if I didn't, you know, having not been all that connected to uh, anime merchandise before, I'm like, well, I didn't know this existed. Right. You know, but I live in New York City, so it's not that hard to find stores that 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 that. Uh, that deal with this kind of stuff right. you know you sometimes you do have to go to some asian neighborhoods and find it but you know seeing this online i'm like oh this is interesting i did not know that this existed well see and i mean the, i went to ebay and to and to a- amazon right know? and that, see and gl- i'm glad you brought that up because that brings up the other thing like with the prevalence of like you know amazon and other places even big box stores that in the last few years or i guess in the last decade or so that had been getting into anime and you know you, it's not hard to find places to find anime that's not places right. like this. Like this especially was one the of those places, stuff. right? Especially right. the mainstream stuff. Exactly, and this is one of those places like um, that you could get all that stuff before that stuff was prevalent. Mm, got it. Uh, got it. Got it. Okay. So, and I want to say they, like I said, they had like they dis- they had a distribution deal with uh, some anime companies, but I can't remember. I might be wrong about that part. Yeah. Regardless, uh, we're going to push over. move on because that awful song is in my head. I need to get it out. Which one? Never mind. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I know. Keep going. I'm not saying it. All right. Next up. I will lead off the. uh, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I will lead off the comic book manga news and put in a transition here. Uh, uh, let's see here. Toshiki Inoue, Taro Chiaki launch a Despair Memory Gundam sequel manga on July 29th. Okay, so uh, let's see. I got to open up this article here and see. So this was announced. Was this announced at San Diego? I think uh, so. Around. Yeah, last Friday, the anime and tokusatsu writer uh, Inoue and manga artist Chiaki will launch a new Gundam manga titled Despair Memory Gundam Sequel on Comaplex, the manga website of Hero Inc. Heroes Inc.'s monthly Heroes magazine on July 29th. The manga's first volume will ship on August 29th. Okay. Yeah. Oh, circling, circling back to that Crunchyroll uh, right stuff thing just real quick, because uh, this uh, article on the side just reminded me if you're watching the video version. So, yeah, right stuff will continue to sell products from different companies, which and that's important because, like I said, Sony, who also owns Formation, owns Crunchyroll. So, you know, they, they, I guess there was some contention there as to what, you know, what they're going to be dealing with uh, or dealing in. After the after the uh, sale goes through, uh, but anyway, Detroit become human because is becoming a manga, apparently, and this was a report by Famitsu, so it, it's legit, I guess. Uh, well, this, that's not even a guess. Famitsu is legit. Uh, Detroit becoming human, which was a video game for some people who know uh, by Quantic Dreams. Um, the quality of it, some you you, you know. You have to talk to people who actually uh, played it, quote unquote. Anyway, um, there is going to be a manga called Detroit Becoming Human Tokyo Stories, which is being written by 
Saruwati Kazami, Kazami and drawn by Moto Samita. I'm butchering people's names. My apologies. The story follows an android idol known as Rihanna. And like the game before it explores what happens when these robots gain independent thoughts and feelings. Uh, do we have a date for this thing? The manga will appear in Comic Bridge magazine starting July 22nd, which is which is already passed. But there's currently no word on whether it will be distributed outside of uh, Japan. So there you go. I would say likely <laughs> within six, four to six months. Next up. Oh, so this is some. I just learned something new. It's always humbling to learn something new because I didn't. I didn't even realize this. So I just started Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I am literally on episode three, mm-hmm. right? I'm, you know, that was my alternative to to, to slogging my way through uh, season three of Battlestar Galactica. Um, you know, I, I'm just I'm dead set on just trying to get through it and just seeing all the, the all the stuff that people raved about. Uh, when it came to Battlestar Galactica, the new version. Mm-hmm. So this news story is that Full Metal Alchemist creator's new manga is set to get an English release. Full Metal Alchemist Hiromu Arakawa will see her new series. I did not know the creator was a she. Now titled Demons of the Shadow Realm will receive an official English translation. The English paperback release is slated for spring 2023 and will be officially available in English as of July 25th, 2023. I, I think that's a typo here in the article. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, I mean, there's, there are more mangaka and anime uh, uh, companies that, that are, um, that, that are, there are women, uh, most notably Clamp. It's definitely if you if you end up uh, reading and or watching anything by Clamp, it's a um, basically all women uh, company. Okay. Yeah. So there are some. There's, it's there. There's more manga card uh, that are women now than there used to be. So, and yeah, sometimes you don't really get to know because obviously you don't you know you don't get to hear about this stuff outside of the, well, if you're the not purview. googling their names. That's the thing. You know, we right. have the ability to find out. Sometimes we just don't. But see, so that's that w- why it's humbling to find out this way. Right. And that's the other thing, because before the prevalence of the Internet, you would not mm-hmm. know this if you somehow found a, you know, found a way to get the stuff. Right. So, so yeah, you're right. Um, next up, though, One Piece anniversary video celebrates 25 years of Luffy's uh, adventures. So, yeah, apparently there was uh, on the One Piece YouTube channel uh, released a video in celebration of the manga's 25th anniversary. Um, it, this article pretty much goes through what that art of the video uh, goes through, but I will not. So, uh, if you're a One Piece fan, chances are you already saw this and you are, um, you, you, you've already taken it in. But, um, let's see... There was a special event for One Piece Day, which was around uh, July twenty seventh, which twenty second, which I believe is when this when this dropped, um, uh, and also footage from the upcoming One Piece film Red uh, was also shown around the set, which I'm sure that stuff is still on the channel, and you can check that out if you're so inclined. Next up, 
All right. Around the time of San Diego Comic-Con, Bandai Namco Entertainment announced that the Dragon Ball The Breakers 8-person online multiplayer game will launch for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam on October 14th. In Japan on October 13th, the company streamed a trailer that previews Frieza as a raider. Okay. Yeah, All I you gamers out there. Yeah, I believe there's a um, closed beta or something going around that I could have got into, but I didn't. I did not. And apparently, the game will link to Dragon Ball Xenoverse Two, um, as all good things do, if you are so inclined with that. There is an upcoming uh, network test uh, on August fifth through sixth, which is actually, yeah, as we're recording, I guess sometime today, or as we're ending this recording, will be sometime today. Uh, Junji. Ito, Ito, excuse me, wins Eisner for Love Sickness, a manga pioneer, Motoha Hagio, inducted into Hall of Fame. So, yeah, Eisner's happened also at um, uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, yeah, Junji Ito won as, for what he wanted. I know there are a lot of uh, Junji Ito fans out there known for his suspense and horror uh, manga, and some of stuff with that has gotten probably translated into uh, anime. As as well, uh, was probably excited to uh, hear about that, and I'm going to go ahead and take this next one because since it's related, because the Eisner Awards, like I said, what did happen at the um, San Diego uh, 2022, and uh, there this this article with the list of winners uh, for the respective um, um, categories, which I won't go into. But um, is I there anything some... here that you were glad to see won? Um, uh, Bitterroot. I didn't, I saw this, uh, when they talked, uh, when they, um, said so on, um, online, but, uh, yeah, Bitterroot, I believe won again, if, if I'm not mistaken, but I haven't looked through the full list of this to, uh, to see. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm, well. I'm, yeah, that it won for best continuing series. So congratulations to, uh, former guest of the show, Sanford Green. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've met uh, David F. Walker and Chuck Brown in person. I think Rodicat has also. So, um, you know, congratulations yeah. to them for winning their Eisner for Best Continuing Series. Um, let's see here. Did, wait, was there a co-winner on that? Because there's two things that are uh, bolded here. Uh, I'm not sure there. I'm not liking the way this thing is... Laid out, right? Yeah, they don't normally do it like this. I think. Oh, Lama, it does say here that um, the judges said like the nominees, Voters' Choice winners were Howard Shaken, Kevin Eastman, Larry Hama. Uh, yeah, David Masicelli won for Batman Year One. Or he didn't win for that, but he was up for something. Um, but yeah, like I said, I was about to say because you know, like I thought maybe you had uh, uh, gone through the list just to see if there's anything cool that we had talked about because I know I saw it on the gram uh, during uh, San Diego Comic Con that one book that I was reading a, a limited series won, uh, and Eisner, that being the Good Asian by Pornsak Pichachot and Alexandra Tefenki from Image. That one for best limited series. So congratulations to them. Right. Oh, the bolded, yeah, the bolded ones are the ones that won, and they're just like I said, they're still kind of laid out little, like really crazily. Um, but right, because I see that Bitterroot is listed 
in bold as well as something is killing the right, children. I don't know if there are co-winners. I guess so. Yeah, that seems weird. Or maybe that was maybe that was a typo. Typo? Don't know. Um, because I was about to say, oh, my score won, but that was they, they were just in the same category. Um, now that being said, like I said, Bitterroot was the one that I saw, but I saw that outside of uh, seeing this. So, and shout, I was about to say shout out to Andrew Aiden and the uh, and the late great uh, Congressman John Lewis for winning best graphic memoir for Run Book One. I haven't bought that yet, so I need to get my hands on that. Yeah, indeed. Um, the the Black Panther Party graphic novel, the graphic history one. I haven't checked that book out yet, but I've been by uh, David F. Walker and Marcus uh, Kwame Anderson. I've been wanting to check that book out, uh, but I but um, congrats to them as well. So, anywho's moving right along, but like I said, that the 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 um the the winners are in the article in the show notes. Uh, yeah, and you know we'll try to confirm what you know what was the, what the deal is with those what appears to have been co-winners. Right. You know we'll 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 double check that with like the Eisner official website or something. Cinna uh, Grace's YA Superman graphic novel and more from DC Comics are fun for everyone. So this is just a quick article on this panel that happened at San Diego Comic Con uh, that revolved around Cinna from uh, that revolved around uh, cartoonist Cinna Grace's young adult. Superman graphic novel t- call, uh, titled Superman the Harvest of Youth. Okay. Yeah. Also in this panel uh, was um, uh, an upcoming Blue Beetle um, uh, uh, graphic novel from Josh Trujillo called uh, Blue Beetle Graduation Day. And in that series, uh, they're going to introduce uh, a new beetle color, a yellow beetle. So I don't know what's up with DC and the color yellow. Um, which, granted, it's only Yellow Lantern, so I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying that like that. But nevertheless, um, there's going to be a new Beetle, uh, possibly antagonist. I guess we'll see, or if uh, if anything, actually, we don't know if that Blue Beetle movie is is still going to uh, is, is still out there also because of the what's going on but you know as we find out stuff we will let y'all know next up <sighs> sorry folks i needed to whip my whistle there we've been talking a lot um robin introduces a whole different side of damian wayne's girlfriend so this is spoilers for oh no there's a preview for robin mm-hmm. number 16 so this is an upcoming issue right where uh, apparently uh, we're going to see something different about this flatline character. I'm not trying to spoil everything, but this is a preview for an upcoming issue. Right. Howling good, some would say. Um, Detective Comics' new creative team headlines DC's new releases. So, um, I guess this is, at this point, this is kind of old news because, uh, if I'm not mistaken... Yeah, uh, because Ram V and, and Raphael Albuquerque has already taken over uh, Detective Comics. Uh, and that DC Mac number one has also come, came out. So, yeah, it's kind of old news, but nevertheless, there you go. Next up. DC reveals the true reason that, spoiler alert, somebody had to die in the pages of Wonder Woman. 
So this is um, last week's? Yes. Artemis Wanted number one? Yes. Okay. So there is a real reason why Wonder Woman's Hippolyta, spoiler alert, the former queen of the Amazons had to die in that book. So, you know, this is during the Trial of the Amazons event. I have not been reading this. So... Um, yeah, we talked about it because I was reading Apparently it. Artemis had to kill her? She, Yeah, Artemis was the one that ended up killing her. I didn't say that part when we were talking about it, but uh, her reasonings never came out during that book. But during this one shot, I guess it did. Which okay. still seems kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, DC launches uh, DC.com with new features and content. Um, I didn't know DC, DC.com was gone, but nevertheless, I figured they put it under the, the, um, that uh, unlimited site or whatever the case. But anyway, DC unveils updated website with brand new uh, homepage uh, featuring a number of recently added features, including weekly video content, digital experiences, and more. Uh, and then it gives the whole spiel for the thing, and uh, and of course a merch place and other uh, other things. So yeah, uh, the the DC Community Hub, which is available for all DC registered DC.com users, will add a new live chat feature, badges, flare options, and avatars, including a Batman fan, first post, uh, top fan, and uh, other things of that nature. Yay! Next up. Next up, actually, this is some practical good news for people who are big fans of a certain wacky DC duo. McFarlane Toys has announced new Blue Beetle and Booster Gold figures on its Instagram account. So Blue Beetle and Booster Gold from Blue and Gold are joining the McFarlane Toys DC Multiverse lineup. Stay tuned. Pre-orders are coming soon. So apparently it's going to be a two-pack. And or no, actually, you know, it doesn't say that it's a two pack because that would make too much sense. But uh, ultimately, they are coming out and there are many, many fans of this particular duo of superheroes or not quite so superheroes. Yeah. Uh, boop. Wakanda Forever pop figures coming from Funko. Pardon? So, yeah, we got figures uh, from... Well, we got Riri Williams and we got Namor here, as shown in the video version of the program. And uh, we got looks close-up looks at those. Uh, and Shuri and uh, Tuma, apparently. And there's M'Baku and Queen Ramonda. Some of the ones that we'd already seen already. Or at least, well, excuse me, different versions of others we already seen. And I guess that confirms that that was Namora no, no that we saw, which, again, kind of weird. Um, anyway, we'll get into that at a later date. Next up. All righty. Um, Hasbro has unveiled new Marvel Legends action figures for the upcoming Black Panther Wakanda Forever film, which gives us a clean look at Namor, played by Tenak Huerta, as well as revealing Nakia's uh, played by Lupita Nyong'o, her underwater armor. So uh, Roddy Cat has this up, and that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, it's definitely a spoiler because we definitely, you know, have a hint now of where this story might be taking us. 
obviously with Namor being involved, something is going to happen underwater and the Wakandans are probably going to have to go down there. But now we have an idea of what that underwater suit is going to look like. Yep. And good on and good on Hasbro for reissuing a Koye who was originally a Build-A-Figure. Right. And I don't know if you're looking at this. Is this a new sculpt, or is that the same one? Uh the, it might be on a new buck. You know, a new body figure with the same paint. Gotcha. You know, I I think what what's happened is that they are reissuing some figures on new body molds. You know, they're called bucks. Right. I did not know this. I am unfamiliar with. You know, I'm I'm a collector, not necessarily one of the the hyper collectors. And so, you know, having followed some people on Instagram, I've learned that the the raw plastic figure that's, you know, molded into the figures that we know and love are called bucks. So, like, the body style and whatnot is like a buck that they reuse for however many characters. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, worth noting, as I'm, as I'm thumbing through these pictures, there's a Ever K. Ross, there's a Koye, there's a um, Hetat Zerez. Uh, and the builder figure is a Tuma. It's a, a more oh, it's a classic uh, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. With the cape, nice. And there's the builder figure. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Next up. Yeah, I uh, mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. if that was enough for me to 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 collect that, then you know. But I've got, you know, I I definitely lean towards the comic book side, folks. You know, you've heard me say it before. I definitely lean more towards the comic book versions of these figures. Right. So I'm not necessarily like trying to kill myself to get the MCU versions. Right. All right. Next up. uh, But that Black Panther. Well, I guess technically that Black Panther one would be uh, the comic version, even though it's not the current. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's why that's the only tempting one. Right. Yeah. I know. Right. Mm -hmm. Next. So uh, uh, let's see here. No, you have this one because I did the reveal, the figure reveal. Uh, Tatiana Maslany's uh, She-Hulk gets her first action figure. Uh, this was revealed at the uh, Comic Con, and uh, let's see, the, this is in, in uh, the What If Infinite Ultron uh, line, which also includes uh, Moon Knight's Mister Knight, uh, Sharon Carter, uh, Miss Marvel's Miss Marvel, and Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. Uh, let's see. It is will, the figure will be available for pre-order later this year, and there is a if you're watching the video version, there is a, a the picture of the figure right there, which well looks all right. I like the face sculpt. Yeah. I think that's you know that's a a great use of the digital uh, sculpting process because that mm-hmm. really does look like what the character looks like on screen. Right, presumably it's that same process that they're using for that they're letting people do their own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as yeah, I meant to mention that with the uh, Nakia figure from that last article, which was uh, a pretty good likeness for uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Nyong'o. So mm-hmm. cool. Uh, next, next up, up, Marvel Legends Venom sibling multi pack drops as an exclusive to Amazon, and. Uh, it is live. The price for these three figures is a whopping seventy-seven ninety-nine. Um, you can reserve one now if you can. It sh- it's expected to ship out in December. I don't know if it's sold out. I am not that interested in this. Nope. You know the 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 cool thing about this is that the Venom heads are actually kind of cool. Uh, you know the Eddie Brock with like the half 
the half masked, half venomized, and right. that full venom head is actually pretty cool. But I don't really care about Riot and Agony. Right. But there are some people who are just dead set on getting all the symbiotes all the time. Yeah, those those people are. It's what it is. Yeah. All right. Here's some news we alluded to earlier. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to take this one and the next one since they're related. Uh, Marvel's web chomping Spider Rex figure combines Spider Man with the dinosaur. If that wasn't um, if that wasn't clear. So yeah, they they I had already made a figure off of that um, off of that. Um, uh, Spider, that new Spider character from this week's Edge of Spider Verse. Or they made a figure before they wrote that story. Oh, I suspect, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I suspect that was definitely the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's available to order. It's forty four ninety nine. Um, you, if you, yeah, you have have at that. That's all I can say. If, if, if you're <laughs> And relatedly, um, there are Spider-Rex and Venomosaurus inflatable costumes which are on sale. Because y'all know those uh, dinosaur costumes are big, have been big things uh, in the last few years. So I guess good on Marvel for for trying to get into that uh, into the zeitgeist of that. They might be might be a little late for that. I think, but hey, who, who am I to say? Um. These are ninety nine ninety nine. Looks like a piece. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's a Venom version and there's the Spider Rex version uh, for your <laughs> for your perusal, just in time for Halloween or or before. Next up, uh, Marvel teases the Fantastic Four relaunch once Dan Slott's run ends with an unnamed creative team. So this was during the this announcement was uh, made during the next big thing panel at San Diego Comic Con. The publisher released an image of a compass with the Fantastic Four's logo in the center, the word writer at the top and artist at the bottom, while November 2022 sits below. Okay. Uh, speaking at the uh, San Diego, uh, Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sibulski and David Pepos will be taking over the Fantastic Four series for two issues before the title relaunches later this year. Okay, so I guess there's going to those are the interim. They're 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 covering the interim period between slots run and this relaunch. Right. So that it so that there will be Fantastic Four issues covering those two months in between. Right, but it's also going to be re re relaunched. So relaunched anyway, exactly. <laughs> Which is weird. So yeah, at this point, we still don't know who the creative team is. I'm. There was another article that, if it wasn't dated differently, would have would have um, would have been an interesting proposition. But also, that writer had already had his turn on Fantastic Four, so mm-hmm. that's not the case. Next up, though. Uh, Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man run ends in November with Iron Man 650. So yeah, this uh, current run of uh, uh, Iron Man is, uh, is going to end in a couple of months. We just found this out a, a, a couple of weeks ago, apparently, um, which is which ended up to being news to us. But hey, you know all the good things, right? And on that note, next up. 
Marvel announces Iron Man Day in November. So with twenty five, with the number twenty five of this run releasing in November, uh, we see Tony Stark get his own celebratory day just in time for the character's six hundred and fiftieth issue. So this was announced at Marvel Comics's next big thing, as I was talking about earlier. Uh, let's see, Iron Man number twenty five will have New York City celebrating Iron Man Day. Okay. Sure. That, that's what the city needed. Um, let me shut up. Anyway, Marvel Endless Ghost Rider and the most shocking team yet. Uh, this is for the upcoming Ghost Rider number seven, in which apparently uh, Johnny Johnny Storm's excuse me Johnny Blaze is going to be a Fed. That's all I'll say. Next up, really. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> In issue seven. All right. Jonathan Hickman returns to Marvel for a 2023 mystery title. <clears throat> uh, the teaser is what happens when the powers that be meet the natural order of things. Hickman and Skeety, as in Valerio Skeety. 2023. The writer describes the new series as Sandman for the Marvel Universe, as quoted by CBR. According to Hickman, he's been working on the title for three years, predating his exit from the publisher's X-Men line as its so-called head of X-Writer. Okay. I believe it. That sounds like a, that sounds like a Hickman thing to do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So and I didn't even see- realize that he had left as head of X-Writer. Right. He still credited it because, yeah, because you remember we had that story where it was like, yeah, he was going to end it before now, but people had stuff they wanted to do, but he still credited right. it as the, the, the head of the thing because of how, you know. Right. But now we, know, now we know for sure that he's not kind of actively overseeing the, right. uh, the Krakoan corner of the Marvel Universe because he's got his own thing going on now. Right. So what that is, we don't know yet. So I don't know. I, do, I have no idea what this means. Because there's a space background, I guess it's something cosmic. Maybe. Maybe it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe. But uh, I guess we'll find out in the next few months. Uh, next up. Uh, Marvel denies rigging X-Men fan vote over controversial new member. I did not know this was a thing. So this is the only reason why this article There's was There's a controversial here. new member? Well, uh, yeah, Firestar apparently is controversial, according to this Why? article. According to this article. <laughs> Silliness. So, uh, apparently, while the... Um, let's see. Duh, 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 duh. Oh, okay. Um, while the fan vote options for this year's uh, X-Men election feature little-known mutants like Micromax and Avalanche... Uh, the addition of Firestar into the vote was a, still a surprise for many since she was often considered to be uh, explicably not a member of the X community. Uh, let's see. It says here, Angelica Jones has deliberately not joined the, the mutant agent of uh, Krakoa. So even though her addition to the team may come as a surprise, it also leads, it will also lead to a ton of interesting drama and intrigue, according to the article once again. This is a speculation piece. I don't know if it has legs or not, but I guess they they saw something that we don't. But I don't. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, apparently, let me see. 
there was an interview with uh, AIPT with Jordan White that assured fans that the vote was 100% genuine. Because I guess somebody said, thought, I guess maybe people were out there talking about shenanigans with this pick. I guess. Or mad that their pick wasn't put in as, as opposed to Firestar. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. So, uh, and there's a quote from Jordan, which I won't go into. Um, oh, wait. No, actually, I will a little bit. Hold on. So, Firestar obviously is not is on the team because you chose her. Like, you literally voted for her. But I know a lot of fans are very angry that she was in the running. Uh, and I'll leave it there because the rest of the quote is like, you know, it goes on from there. Interesting. Like I said, I didn't know that there was there was that much hubbub. But then again, I'm not surprised because <laughs> we are talking about fans here. It's so, funny. Next up, Jason Aaron's Avengers era will conclude with everyone assembling, like taking what Hickman did and just turning it up a notch. Everyone. 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 You know, this isn't even a case of, like, Simpsons did it. Hickman did it. No. We're doing multiversal Avengers assembling, too. Not just whoever's in the 616. So, Earth's Mightiest Heroes are assembling for a new Avengers Assemble Alpha one-shot, which will serve as the capstone to Jason Aaron's era on Marvel's Avengers. This was again announced at the Marvel Comics Next Big Thing panel at San Diego. And it will bring three different teams of Avengers together all in one place so this is gonna be written by aaron and features art by brian hitch okay yeah. if you gotta go go with a smile or yeah or- you know what it's gonna have it's gonna unite the avengers avengers forever and avengers of 1 million bc which okay again like i said given that they've you know uh, how much built up and how much time they put into those people and in, into those groups i would expect nothing less <laughs> Um, speaking of events, Judgment Day finale promises major Marvel Universe changes. Um, sure. Judgment Day Omega is approaching and it's going to shake up the Marvel Universe to its core, according to this article. Uh, with the end of the war between the Avengers X-Men and the uh, Eternals coming up in just a few short months, Marvel has begun teasing what the aftermath will look like. Um, um, with uh, AXE Judgment Day Omega Number One already promising uh, to change the Eternals. Wait, already promises to change the Eternals' world upside down as they discover that sentence seems sounded weird. Discover what is truly eternal. Uh, for now, this doesn't provide any details of where this event will leave the X Men or Earth's Mightiest Heroes in this wake. Nor will it be uh, left of them. What will be what's left of them once the dust has settled? So, ooh, we'll see. I guess this. And so, this was the thing we talked about, though. It was like, is this is this something's gonna actually come out of this event? You know. So we'll see. Next up. Marvel assembles Spider-Man, Venom, X-Men, and more for a new crossover series called Dark Web that's going to launch in November. Uh Uh-oh, it's our next event. Mm Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man, Venom, Black Cat, and assortment of X-Men characters and more are assembling together for this new series. Uh, This was again announced at Marvel Comics' The Next Big Thing panel at San Diego. And they had new promotional artwork for the upcoming series. 
It's written by Zeb Wells with promotional artwork by Ryan Stegman and a variant cover by Peach Momoko. Uh, let's see. Prelude issues to the crossover series will begin releasing in November. Okay. So I guess that's something for us to kind of look forward to. I, I guess. Um, I mean, one, we already got, well, we got this technically line wireless event with Judgment Day. It's not necessarily line wide, but it's, it's crossing over in a lot of stuff. We already got Spider-Verse coming. <laughs> right. We're, we're also going to get the return of Ben Riley, now known as Chasm. <laughs> Who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, right. And if you recall, during the free comic book day book, we also get Chasm working with the Goblin Queen. So that's where the X-Men stuff comes in. Right. So. Wait. I should go back and read that. Anyway, um, but yeah, Dark Web, that's the thing that's coming. It's, it's another event. All I was going to say is, boy, I remember when, uh, when Marvel said they weren't going to do uh, so many events, but they actually, they meant line-wide events and not <laughs> the, the, the smaller arc, I mean, smaller sectional events, which they're going mm-hmm. doubling down on, which is still kind of annoying. But hey, it is what it is. Next up. Uh-huh. We only annoyed by it because we actually, you know, are, have the ability to read it. You yeah, know, sure. if we were voting with our dollars, we wouldn't be so annoyed by it. You know, to be honest, yeah, you're right. The problem yeah. is, the problem is, we tend we have a pretty diverse reading list, so you know, we we tend to delve into the Spidey corner, and then, you know, it, this is actually forcing us to read a little bit of X stuff too. If you're, let's say, you're not familiar with the X stuff, you're mm-hmm. like, well, who's this Goblin Queen character? Right. You know, right? Because I was thinking, wait, the Goblin Queen was that the the one Goblin from? I was thinking it was that character from from Spencer's run that they got introduced into like near the end. But I know it's Madeline Pryor. It's Madeline Pryor, right? right. So maybe it could be both. Who knows? Um, either way. Um, next up, is this you? Or is it me? No, it's you. Uh, Marvel introduces Gold Goblin, a Spider-Man villain starring in his own series. So apparently, Norman Osborn, aka the Green Goblin, is going to try to reinvent himself and become the Cold Goblin. Um, and I guess this is going to uh, come off of uh, something upcoming in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Because we know... Peters is supposed to be working for for Osborne at some point. Uh, we know that. Well, I might as well go ahead and bring up this next article. Uh, Hobgoblin is also coming back <laughs> into the fold uh, in in issue eleven. So by issue thirteen, I guess this is when we're going to see uh, the birth of the Gold Goblin. How long is last? Who's to say? Next up. Marvel announces a new Cold War Captain America event. So the two Captains America will reunite for a new Cold War crossover event launching in 2023. It's going to bring Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson back together for a new mission. Uh, The secret origin of Steve Shield, the revenge of White Wolf and Crossbones, and the return of Nomad. But which one? Marvel teased of the event uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Which one indeed? Let's see. Marvel finally acknowledges America Chavez's huge origin retcon. 
Um, so this is spoilers for uh, Marvel Voices Infinity Comic number eight, it seems. Um, so what did the Marvel, they do? Huh? What did they do? I guess. Well, so wait. So I guess this is uh, this is probably addressing that uh, stuff from that last uh, uh, America Chavez miniseries, where they basically changed her power set a little bit. They basically uh, kind of powered her down some, and changed her origin to to, to not being from the uh, Utopia uh, parallel, and also giving her a sister. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I guess this uh, Infinity comic is addressing that in some way. Uh, I meant to actually read that before before uh, this, but uh, I did not. So, so we'll just leave it at that, just in case anybody hadn't read it and want to uh, go in unspoiled. Next up. Uh, in sad news, Marvel Comics writer Ron Zimmerman has passed away at a pretty young age of 64. Ron Zimmerman was a writer, film, and television producer and stand-up comic who wrote the series Spider-Man Get Craven in addition to the Ultimate Adventure series. He also worked on The Punisher, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man. He was best known for that Rawhide Kid comic. Um, According to a report from Deadline, Zimmerman passed away on July 28th after a battle with cancer. Fuck cancer. Yep. Yeah, apparently this dude was was uh, in a lot of places. He's done some production. Uh, uh, he dated Cher. Yeah, back in twenty ten. Holy cow! I, I was gonna get to that. <laughs> Holy cow! I was just I was just scrolling. I was like, what? Yeah, apparently he wrote for My Wife and Kids and Hard Knocks and Charles in Charge and John Rivera-Cat and we're not gonna talk about the other Kramer show. Um, he also wrote Hawk and Dove for Justice League. Uh, and uh episode of the Simpsons. Like I said, dude dude did a lot of stuff. Seventh Heaven, uh et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the aforementioned dating share. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Uh anyway, next up. Uh X-Men's uh, Pepe Larise joins Mark Millar for new series Big Game. Um so uh, I saw uh, Mark Millar was like, "Yeah, this is gonna, this, this, I got some announcements coming up on Thursday. That's gonna shake up the big two. And I guess this is part one of the, uh, one of the two that was supposed to be that. But details are limited at this time. Millar War says big game is rumored to be a crossover between many, if not all, of the Millar World uh, franchises. The series will launch in spring 2023. Next up." Mark Millar's nemesis returns with Batman's Jorge Jimenez on art. Wow. So this is a limited series that first launched in 2010, and it will return with uh, the Batman artist, the current Batman artist, and the series is going to drop in January of 2023. Interesting. I wonder if Jimenez is going to be able to maintain his work on Batman or if he's going to take some time just to do... Nemesis Reloaded. Yeah, good question. He's been on Batman for a while. He was on it, you know, during Tinian. Right. So maybe he's going to step away to do this as as a new project. Right. That seems more likely than than trying to juggle the two. But who's who? Who knows? Maybe he could do it. Who exactly. Knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, last but not least, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers announces a new recharged era. 
So um, Boom Studios has officially announced a new creative team that will take over on uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as uh, the title entered its new recharged era with issue 101, which I believe is like doing this like road to 100 thing now or something. But um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 101 is set to hit uh, comic book shops in October. And I guess this is legacy um, numbering because I believe the one that came out this week is 17. Um, or around about that. So yeah, this must be legacy numbering. Either way, um, Melissa Flores and artist uh, Simona de Giafelice, uh, I apologize for butchering your name, uh, are taking the, ne- the reins. And then it goes into what the issue is about. So that is the new creative team for uh, Mighty Over from Power Rangers. Charge the 100. That's the that's the current uh, banner that they got going on. And with that, folks, that's the end of the news. Got one more ad read. See if we played. And before I hit the ad read, I wanted to oh, confirm, okay. because I consulted another website, that there was, in fact, a tie between Bitterroot and Something is Killing the Children oh, for... Okay. Best continuing series for the best continuing series Eisner. So that was in fact true on that original website that we were using. It just wasn't clearly indicated. Right. Okay. So there was in fact a tie. So good for them. Yeah. Congratulations to all the Eisner winners, especially yeah, yeah. the ones that we were rooting for. Um, also up for that continuing series was Immortal Hulk. Right. So. You know, if Al Ewing had won, we would have been happy also. Oh, hell yeah. So, uh, in any event, our last ad is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronto, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. Uh, and that, folks, is the end of the show. You know, I said at the beginning of the show that we're a week away from She-Hulk. We're two weeks away. My my mistake. Um, I forgot what day it was. Ha! Um, but nevertheless, two weeks away. We'll still, we're still working on that. It'll, it'll happen. You'll hear from us. Uh, that being the case, excuse me, uh, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Needle on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Instagram. I mean, on, excuse me, on, well, you probably find them on Instagram as that, but on Twitter, you can find him at PC underscore dirt. You can also find him at uh, pop culture net on Twitter. You can also find him at pop culture and his umbrella sites therein. Uh, 
Tim, D-O-G-D-9-8 on Twitter. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter, but you can also find him at the CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. Uh, you can also find him at uh, comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. And you can find us, uh, the, the, this here Comic Book Chronicles, at the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Leave us five-star reviews. Thank you for your time. Hit it. Um, you can also find us at, uh, well, recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on twitch.tv slash chronicles and youtube.com slash Nation. Again, click like and subscribe and click the notification button so you know when we're on. Yeah, if we can get the 50 followers on, on Twitch, uh, we can upload some uh, some uh, episodes that we have been talking about uh, that we've done in the past uh, that we cannot get up uh, without some finagling. But hey, help us out. Nevertheless, we will be back next Thursday, folks, with another show. Um, I don't think we got anything going on. Maybe we'll talk about Paper Girls if we if we uh, if, if we yeah if uh, we get that in right if we get the eight episodes in maybe we'll talk about even if we're just talking about the first four or five we'll speak in broad strokes and not spoil anything yeah so stay tuned for that um, folks and with that this has been Cumber Chronicles peace peace one and with all that news that came out of San Diego Comic Con.